Matt Wright and Spike Cohen. Good oh, no, just keep, just go, morning, just good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Spike, Sandy, no. Koufax, Cohen, I am go. Matt Wright, and together yes. we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. Hey folks, thanks so much for joining us for this fantastic episode in which we've already had an error, so we're just going to go forward from here with no errors. This is a Muddy Waters Media production, as is evidenced already. Uh, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Be sure to share, like, subscribe, press all of the various algorithm helping buttons, comment, comment, lots of comments, Time, minimum 10 comments every viewer, 10 comments every viewer, just everything, just say first, just put first, Push, put anything, like, subscribe, if you're on YouTube, hit the bell. Hit the bell. We want your phone to explode with notifications every single time we do anything. We don't want you to miss out on a single muddy thing. Give the gift of muddy waters today. Kids love it. Kids love it. You know what else kids love? Wow, we're going to get to that later. Well, we're going to get uh, into that very shortly, yes. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, first and foremost, allow me to thank the wonderful and fine people. Oh, wait, I was asked not to do that anymore. Thank you to Casey... <laughs> Thank you to Casey Nath for the uh, kava that I'm drinking today. And allow me to thank, until I'm also asked not to do it anymore, Le Bleu for this delicious water that I'm drinking right now. Not right now, but right right now. Bulevanaka. Bulevanaka. So, now, uh, the, the Siesta Kava website is down for a little bit. So okay. he said, please don't give out my website because and I was it's like, not okay. on the internet anymore. Yeah. No, that right. makes sense. Well, so in the time that we normally would talk about that, instead what I'm going to say is um, if you live anywhere near Florence, Kentucky, come out this Friday because I'm going to throw the opening pitch to a professional baseball game. That's Spike a real thing. Like Sandy Koufax Cohen. Sandy Koufax, the second best Jewish pitcher ever, possibly. <laughs> Maybe. Possibly. I'm going to pitch a shot. I, I mean – so. That, I mean, that very well could be true. It is not physically impossible that I could do that, or at least throw one pitch that doesn't bounce before getting to the catcher. That's really my goal. You, so you are definitely not it. the second best Jewish pitcher who's ever played. Why, who's the second best? Well, I don't know, but there are others that <laughs> aren't Sandy Koufax. <laughs> you haven't seen me pitch yet, okay? And I think I'm about, I'm about to shock the world. And if you want to see me shock the world, uh, go to SpikeCohen.com. And we have the information there about how you can register uh, to uh, be there. Uh, tickets are only $10. And some of the proceeds go to help the Libertarian Party of Kentucky. I'm also doing all sorts of training stuff all weekend uh, in, in and around, uh, actually, all through Kentucky. Um, so if you live in Kentucky, I will see you this weekend. Uh, so let's go through these uh, these. Um, what are these things called? Sponsors. Sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. This used to be a joke. This is now the second largest caucus in the Libertarian Party and the fastest growing one. And that's, I'm sorry, I was joking, but here we are. So this is where we, there are thousands of members. And if you'd like to become a member of the fastest growing caucus in the third largest political party in the United States of America which is a real thing, uh, then go to the Libertarian, go to the Facebook group, Libertarian Waffle House Caucus, Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. And if you want to become an official voting member, which literally means nothing at all because we don't vote on anything, uh, go to moneywatersmedia.com slash store and uh, get yourself some swag, some Waffle House Caucus swag. The Gravy King. 
Cumberland Cannabis. If you'd like to buy weed on the internet, then you can do like Matt did recently and go to Cumberland Cannabis Co. He went there in person, but you can actually I go did. there on the internet by going to CumberlandCannabisCo.com. High quality Delta 8 products there. High quality. High quality. I... Joe Soloski, speaking of high quality, Joe Soloski is high quality, and he's running for governor of Pennsylvania. He's the key to Pennsylvania's success. And if you want to help him become the first libertarian governor ever, go to JoeSoloski.com. That's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com. Speaking of, Jack Casey wrote these two books, The Royal Green and In Silver Throned It. And I wouldn't, I'll never read that. Have you read them yet? No, I, I read one paragraph of The Royal Green, and I know that there is a ship in there called The Orphanage, which I think speaks a lot to uh, Jack Casey's childhood. Um, but outside of that, I have no idea. Yeah, I'll never read this because. No, I will never before, read it. Yeah, I, there's not a shot in hell I'm ever even going to think of reading this. And, and the reason why is because if it's good, then I'll feel bad about how I've talked about it and about Jack. And if it's bad, then I will, I mean, I'll feel good, but I'll feel bad I'll for all stop of you that bought this yeah. thing. Right, for everybody that bought it because we recommended it. Because we recommended it. Well, I mean, we've never actually recommended anyone read this book. We've just asked them to buy it because he pays us to. That's true. We have said that it'll hold up a chair or desk really nicely. Right. But we've never actually said anyone should read this. And I think that's valid. I mean, I just like that to remain clear here. Uh, Book three, which you can choose whether or not you want to read, Crowned by Gold, uh, will be available at some point. I don't know. Um, And uh, (laughs) summer's almost over. This, I mean, really, uh, the royalgreen.com, you can purchase this and that third book, which I'm sure isn't fake. what else we have here? Adderpan. My God, this is the scariest. Damn. I don't even, I don't, I'm not even going to read the, have you played this? No, I don't this have This game PC. is a nightmare. This game is only $5 on Steam. If you were ever thinking of just having a nervous breakdown and jump scares, as they call it, or as I call it, panic attacks, um, then <laughs> be sure to get Adderpan, which is available on Steam. For the low price of $5 and a lifetime of therapy. Um, speaking of a life. Fierce Luxury by Ashley. High-end bags and accessories. Right there it says that. Um, and uh, this is an online consignment shop. And they only charge, if you consign your products with them, with Ashley, uh, it's only 30%, which is 20% less than literally everyone else charges. That's what she told us. I don't know if that's... I've never consigned a bag. But they have all the finest brands from Louis Vuitton to, I don't know, Gucci and... Hermes. 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 It's not Herms, which is how it's spelled. It's Hermes. Yes. And the various other high quality... We know a lot about bags on this show. (laughs) <laughs> so if you go to fierce luxury by ashley.com you too can buy a great for concealed carrying mud water uh if you wanted to uh not ever drink coffee and instead drink something that tastes roughly the same as coffee which isn't good but it's then you can get mud water it's uh it's it's got only masala chai which is i mean it's only got masala chai cacao mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and literally nothing else. 
And no, not those kinds of mushrooms. But they are neuroprotective, whatever that means. Uh, so if you go to muddywatersmedia.com slash mud, you too can purchase this and try it. It has one-seventh the caffeine of a regular cup of coffee, just enough to wake you up and not so much that you feel nervous about the mushrooms you just had. Matt? So, Spike, do you know who runs better than the government? Oh, no. I'm literally wearing the shirt. Um, no. Who? You're not following the script that's in the notes. Um, oh, well, wait. luckily. No, 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 wait, wait, no, whoa, 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 no. <laughs> Why, yes, I do. Thomas Daniel Queter runs better than the government. And he qualifies this by stating he could manage a step and a dive, which is at least one step better than the government. Which And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Makes total sense. Uh, there is also a meme contest running every month. In fact, this meme was made by a fan of Tom's, Mobile Joe. Go to Tom for 52 dot, tomfor52.com slash FTG, what does FTG say? Fuck the. Oh. I like how I didn't edit out fuck. It. <laughs> I edited out government. Just the government, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't say bad words on this show. To enter the monthly meme contest and buy these awesome shirts for only, doesn't say. And but yeah, buy these awesome shirts. There's also socks and blankets available. Support his 2022 run for state senate in New York and cuddle up with Tom. I actually, Tom is very cuddly. I've met Tom and I want to cuddle with him. Um, send this man as many memes as you possibly can. Preferably with him in his wheelchair because apparently he gets a kick out of that. So, he does, yeah. Yes. T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. Now, speaking of, I don't have any good segues this week. Matt. Speaking of things that kids love. Yes, we were talking about kids earlier. Matt, what we else were... do kids love that we can talk about on this show? You know, uh, so I have been a fan of our guest for uh, many a year. I found out about him on a different person's podcast um, many years ago. And I immediately went out and I bought all of the books that were available at the time. Um, I am very excited to be able to say that he is finally here on Muddied Waters Media. Uh, please welcome with me the author of the Tuttle Twin series, Connor Boyack. Connor, thanks so much for joining the show, man. This is well, thanks, gentlemen. And and you missed the, the best segue. I also publish books that can be used to prop up tables and desks. Uh, so I, I feel like that was the segue we could have used. We could have used that. We See, the problem is... I don't really know that if those we, are books. And it's, so, it's possibly a cult that this Jack guy's doing. So if we, if we had closed with Jack, I was immediately going to go in and be like, but here are some books that I do recommend you read and that we that I have actually read because I have read all of, all of the kids' books. Read them. Wow. What a trash on Jack that would be to be like, so this guy that pays us, you can choose what you want to do with his book, but this guy who's never given us a penny, you should definitely read his books. So for those who well, don't he know, just, he, are... he gave me the entire series this week. So 
Oh, yeah. I just got this. <laughs> you got a graphic. I got a graphic. Oh, it's about Spike. <laughs> yeah, I know. I appreciate that. So for those turn it into an know, NFT, maybe we'll make you some money. Yes, this is uh, you too. All of you watching this can have this for the low price. The first person to send me five hundred dollars, I will give this to you. And only you. No one can ever have this. No one no one else can have the, that graphic. I'll give you the whole episode. Non-fungible. Not, you can't fungible. it. You can try. You try as hard that. as you can to funge this thing. It is un it is too you can't funge it. So uh tell us so for those who don't know, tell us about the Tuttle twins and and, and you know what got you to, to even have the idea to, to to start that. So the Tuttle Twins is a series of books for kids uh, that teach the ideas of liberty to the rising generation. Now we have books uh, from toddlers to teens. Our main series is, is the one that Matt was holding up. That's for the kind of the five to 10 uh, year olds. That's kind of our flagship uh, series of books. Um, and basically we're filling a massive void where our movement has not been talking to the rising generation. We wait until people are adults that have been propagandized by the schools and colleges, and then we, you know, go to work trying to educate these people. So our vision is that uh, we should be doing that at a younger age, that we should be enabling parents to talk to their kids and having conversations about these ideas. Uh, Elijah Stanfield, who is the illustrator, he and I, uh, several years ago, uh, he worked on the Ron Paul campaign on 2012. I also did. He was doing a lot of the videos for the Rev Pack. Uh, we're both uh, very passionate about these ideas and dads of, at the time, young kids. And uh, we were kicking around some ideas, trying to think, you know, what could we do and what, what would be a fun project? And at the time, um, I found myself, like, I, I literally went to Amazon one day and I'm like, you know, uh, books that teach, you know, free markets to kids. And, and there was just nothing. And so it really validated for us that there was this void uh, in yeah. the marketplace. We didn't know if there would be demand. Um, but we decided to do just one book as a little test. That was the, the law based on Bastiat's The Law. We basically, with all the kids' books, we take like the core ideas out of the original book. I mean, we got Atlas Shrugged and Economics in One Lesson and Human Action yeah. and The Creature from Jekyll Island. And so we take the core ideas, we wrap it in a fun story. Elijah does a bang up job illustrating them. Um, and, uh, and then we educate the kids, but also their parents who are often learning these ideas for the first time. So that's been a, a fun, fun thing as well. That is awesome. Yeah, so when, when I bought the books, when I bought the books initially, um, I didn't, I, I still don't have my own children, but, um, I didn't have, I didn't have kids at the time. Uh, but I had a nephew who was right at that right age for it. Um, he was right, you know, eight ish at the time, seven, eight. So I would take them home with me to read them and his parents, I think they still hate me for that because, (laughs) because they're like Bernie supporters and they did not like what I was feeding their child, but I was like, no, they're kids books. Like, why would I, it's just a kid's book. It's fine. What's wrong with kids books? You have a problem with kids books? Yeah. Why do you not want me to? read he wanted me to read him a book and i happened to bring one and they're <laughs> stop reading him those and i was like well hopefully something stuck <laughs> you gotta plant so, those seeds while you can i know have to and now it's interesting because you've got um i believe and, and you can tell me if you think differently on this uh, i believe and i've decided in this moment that matt also believes that children are kind of 
inherent like when we're born we're kind of inherently anti-authoritarian we we are trying to figure things out for ourselves obviously we fall short because we're still developing physically and mentally but we have this kind of inherent desire not to be controlled and to try to figure things out as best we can and it seems like over time you know we sort of have it beaten into our heads as we're developing that well, not only do you need someone to guide you, but you also need someone to tell you what to do with every aspect of your lives. And, and you know, there are these specific people that we've decided are authority figures and you have to listen to them at all times and everything else. And so by the time, like you said, when, by the time someone's an adult, they've been conditioned with all this stuff. But it's probably, uh, would you not say it's, it's probably a lot easier to reach them at younger ages where this stuff intuitively makes even more sense than it does as, as adults? I think that's the latter part of what you said is true. I'll quibble a little bit with the first part. I think where we run into the kind of anti-authoritarian comparison breaking down is that a lot of people perceive, you know, parents as the source of authority. And there's this question of like, how much authority does the child have or not have? I think think an example that we've seen work far more powerfully than focusing at kind of the authority side is the fact that like all parents, all good parents, I'll say, teach their children the non-aggression principle, right? right? It's like you're, you're spending your whole parenting life basically saying, don't hurt other kids, don't take their stuff, leave other kids right. alone. And, and so you're basically teaching the nap kids already. It's only later in life that parents start adding these little asterisks on the end of like, oh, well, it's okay to hurt other people in this context, or it's okay to take people's stuff you know, here. And, and those yeah. exceptions are added later in life. But it's really been fun for us because it, it provides a little snapshot where we're like, hey, look, you're already teaching these ideas. You you want your kid to understand these ideas of peace and cooperation and social harmony and, and collaboration, working together, all these things. And so we can tap into that and say, those are good ideas. You're, you're exactly right for teaching these ideas. And guess what? They're libertarian ideas. And guess what? They can be consistently applied as your kids get older and turn into adults. And so we can build that common ground from a young uh, age because those parents are already thinking that way in terms of parenting their children by saying, you know, leave other kids alone, don't hurt them. And we can use that kind of reference language. And that's covered very nicely in book number six, the golden rule. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. I do that too, except I don't have the book. So I'll just keep doing this. Right. <laughs> Buy your NFT today. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, but that's a good point. So, you're right. We're actually telling kids, don't hurt people, don't steal from people, don't touch people without your consent. If someone tries to touch you without your consent, be sure to let us know. You know, like all these things right. that really are just the nap applied to everyday life. And then at some point as they get older, it's like, well, you're old enough now to know the truth. There are actually times where it's perfectly acceptable to violate all those things. And it's like, what? Right. what? And and it's, well, but it's for your own good. And the parents are only saying that because they were taught that too. So right. in your case, here's a book that if you already believe that, this just helps you as a teaching tool and as an educational and, and entertainment tool for your kids to, to share these ideas. But, you know, if you got a parent that maybe is, libertarian-ish, but, you know, it's still maybe on the fringes of some stuff, they're reading your stuff and realizing, oh, wow, this is consistently with the basics of what we tell people, that you don't hurt people, you don't rob people, you don't kill people, you don't, you know, touch them without their consent, you don't do those things. That's that's amazing what you're doing. Yeah. What, uh, what Matt 
you shared about your, I think you said as your brother or sister saying, don't read this to our kids. That's actually rare for us. What's been really interesting is we've been able to reach far beyond libertarian circles. In fact, when, when Elijah and I did our first book, we went to Freedom Fest because we're thinking, here's all these like libertarians. We'll start here. We'll have a booth. We'll say, hey, guys, you've all read The Law by Bastiat. Come get the children's version. And, you know, we sold a lot of books. And and that to us was like a market signal, like, hey, there is interest here. But when we started going beyond that other libertarian events, online advertising, we exhausted our audience pretty quickly. Like the libertarian community right. isn't the biggest right. one. And, and then we realized, like, what we're doing here is bigger than just helping libertarians teach their kids. It's trying to teach the whole world these ideas. And so we have to right. market more broadly. And so what we're finding is that, you know, mm-hmm. when we appeal to that that rational self-interest of a parent, like you want your child to be well-rounded, right? You want them to learn the golden rule. You want them to learn about entrepreneurships, entrepreneurship. Don't you want them to learn how money works and how to, you know, start business and why it's important for them to, to you know, understand property rights and they can understand our freedoms and history and blah, blah, blah. And, and right. you can use more, I hate the word inclusive now, but you can use this broader language that has an appeal to conservatives, to moderates, even folks on the left. Oddly speaking, right now, in fact, last week, we started some online ads targeting Bernie Sanders supporters, and it's performing better than our ads going to conservatives. Like, it's, it's mind-blowing. Really? But I think it shows that there's at least this, like, broader appeal to some, not not all of them. Granted, some of our books right. are far more libertarian than other others. But uh, I think there's a broader appeal here we're seeing outside of the preaching to the choir, already libertarian type of movement, which is fun because I'm a person who wants to grow the movement. I don't really like the navel gazing and the infighting and the, you know, everything else. But I, I want to go, you know, grow the congregation and reach a lot more people. And uh, I bet dollar for dollar, Tuttle Twins is doing it far better than any other initiative because we're reaching yeah. entire families and we're right. reaching them in a way that's very appealing and endearing. That's so awesome. we have a couple of good questions here in the comments. Uh, Billy Pierce for Texas. Uh, I love Billy Pierce. He's a great dude. Um, he said, our 300 plus family homeschool co-op here in Houston uses these books to teach these core fundamentals early. Thank you for your work. Is there more to come? Oh, that's a great question, Billy. I love talking about that one. So, um, yeah, we're, we're putting out several more books this year. Uh, a lot of people don't know that we've moved beyond the kids' books, and so we've got a series of nonfiction books for the teens, a guidebook series. We've got novels, uh, like the old, old Choose Your Own Adventure uh, type of novels, if you guys remember those. And so yeah. we've got three. We're about to put out our fourth uh, in just a few weeks, and so that's coming soon. We launched our toddler books, these little board books, and so we got the ABCs of Liberty. You know, So here's M for sound money and it shows them at the, you know, the printing machine here, the, the bazillion dollars. And, and uh, Elijah had a blast. In fact, there's another one in here. I got a spike. You mentioned consent, right? And so here, yes. sorry, my light is reflecting, but like there's B is for bodily autonomy. C is for consent, yes. you know, and, and that's so we've, awesome. got, we've got all these top. Oh, here's the nap. So uh, the nap, uh, uh, let's see if is that focusing don't hurt people don't take their stuff and so we yeah. play it up as like a nap for toddlers but anyways so we've we've got these we're launching a cartoon i don't know if you uh, saw spike at freedom fest but we were premiering our first yes. cartoon we raised mm-hmm. uh, five million bucks for season one from a bunch of investors from all our supporters that's going really well season or episode one is almost done 
We're going to launch that this fall and then just keep pumping out additional episodes. We're shooting for like a multi, multi, multi season show far into the future where we can reach a huge audience. Um, we got all kinds of ideas. And, and my, my vision for this is like, I want to become this content empire teaching, you know, the ideas of freedom to families all across the world. We translate our books into like, a, like 15 languages at this point um and uh somebody and so, actually asked a question about that and i was going to ask it but you you knocked it out already so you know and that's what's so exciting to me is because like sometimes when we pre when we advertise to the conservatives you know they're like oh america this teaches the constitution i'm like well no it doesn't like this te teaches like really. philosophical and economic ideas which relate to people all over the world and so yeah we translate them germany is one of our top performing countries we got a ton in brazil venezuela france mexico tons in italy um and so we look for like strategic partners around the world who are going to like go market it in their country and really push it out there and so that's honestly one of the funnest parts for me is when we get to translate the books and really try and find those international opportunities that is awesome we uh we have another that's question amazing. Well, one of the questions is shut up and take my money. That's not really as much of a question. <laughs> uh, but so one person, uh, Kenneth Ebel, asked, uh, have you uh, had done any work with uh, like possibly having this featured as part of uh, Ron's, Ron Paul's homeschool curriculum? Or, or Not yet. So Ron's been very great to us. He's totally supportive of what we're doing. In fact, at that first Freedom Fest, when Elijah were there with the first book, I had just listed the book's on our website, TuttleTwins.com, I think like the week prior. So I'm getting some little notifications on my phone every like 20 or 30 minutes with an order. And I'm sitting behind the Freedom Fest booth and I get a little notification. I look at it and it's from Ron and Carol Paul, his wife, Ron and Carol, and they ordered 50 books. And so I emailed them and they're like, oh, we wanted one for all of our grandkids. I was like, all right, the father of the wow. freedom movement, you know, has wow. endorsed our work. So he's he's been very gracious, very supportive of what we're doing. Um, but his curriculum was actually developed by Gary North. Um, so he kind of white labeled Ron's name uh, to create this curriculum, and they, they're kind of doing their own thing. So oh, okay. uh, we Got have you. no no plans to be part of it. We're really trying to build our own brand. Yeah. Um, and so uh, love what everything Ron is doing and has done in the past. But uh, but we're forging our own path. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's, no, that's uh, amazing. And it's so, and it sounds like you guys are doing a great job at, you know, you say we're trying to forge our own path and do our own thing, but it sounds like you guys are killing it in that you, manner. You raised five you have, million you, dollars. You have, right. You 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 have a you've got 12, 12 books out that I have here, and then you've got uh, the toddlers books and then the books for the teens and choose your own adventure. And here's the, here's the a little guys. snapshot. So so twenty twenty fourteen you know, is when we started publishing uh, our first book. And obviously when you've got one book and then two book and no one knows what you're doing or who you are, right? It's going to go slow and right. gradually build. But in 2014 through 2019, we sold a total of 750,000 books and we wow. self-publish. And so, you know, had no mainstream media or whatever. I thought it was amazing. I was, I was very happy for that success. So 750,000 across all of those years. Last year alone, 2020, we sold 1.3 million books, uh, almost double the entire you know past five, six years. And so momentum is totally picking up. I mean, parents across the country are like, the world is nuts. 
what's going on. You know, right. we're, we're losing our freedoms. What can we do about it? And a lot of, honestly, especially the moms, they feel like there isn't anything they can do politically. Right. But then when we say, Oh, Hey, but you can educate your kids and you can talk as a family and you can make sure that your, your kids are aware of what's happening and they can understand and, and, uh, appreciate, you know, what freedom actually looks like and how to try and defend it, et cetera. That's very empowering for mom to be like, oh, I can do that, you know, take my money, right? And then we'll go read uh, these books together and have quality family time. So it's been a very empowering thing, I think, in 2020 to give people something they can do um, and feel good about. And and that momentum is just continuing. We think 2021, we're going to beat that. And so our goal is 2 million books this year. Um, and I think we're going to accomplish it. It's, it's especially with the cartoon coming out. Uh, uh, it's, it's amazing. I, I just saw previous, some of the upcoming episodes and like, we're, we're super jazzed. We think the cartoon is going to reach so many more people just cause it's more uh, entertaining. It's, it's just a fun kid show with like some freedom stuff sprinkled in there. And then yeah. when we hook them, then it's like, Hey, if you want to, you know, learn a little bit more or, or get Hear more the books, yeah. come read the books. Get the right. books. Yeah. So, I a couple watched, of quick. I, I, Oh, no, I was just going to say, I watched the preview that you had uh, in the little in the tent there at, at Freedom Fest. Honestly, I went over there because I smelled popcorn. But then once I got there, <laughs> that was genius marketing move. I'm like, I smell popcorn and there's this gigantic bag of popcorn. And, and they're like, there's a movie, too, or there's a there's a, a, a cartoon if you want to watch it, too. And I'm like, I'll watch the cartoon with the popcorn. And uh, and so went in and uh, it was awesome. And, and like you said, very, very light touch. Right. Like it's, it has libertarian themes in it, but it's just it's just a, like a really cool, fun children's cartoon. And with the idea, like you said, you get that hook in. And if they want to find out more and they're interested in the books, now they're going to get yep. more exposed to the, the, the you know, bigger picture ideas of liberty. I think it's fantastic. Um, where so when the when the cartoon comes out, where are people going to be able to watch it? Is that going to be on TuttleTwins.com or is that going to be YouTube, Vimeo or everywhere? Great question. So uh, we're going to have our own app where anyone will be able to download it and watch everything for free. So Apple TV, Roku, download it on your phone, your tablet, whatever. Um, and so that way we're going to have a little community that we're going to create on our own and people can watch it as much as they want. We're going to have it translated. So we're going to, we're going to, again, this is an international play as well with the cartoon. And so we're going to have subtitles and probably eventually uh, dubbing for other languages but everything will be free and uh, we're going to use uh, kind of a pay it forward model uh, we're using the same distribution partner that a show called the chosen is doing and they are doing a like a multi-season show about jesus and the apostles right. and they felt like you know hollywood is never going to make this we're going to go forge our own path right. and so they've really figured out how to do this the distribution company has learned a lot and we're going to take all that learning and then bake it into our app for the tuttle twins um and eventually we're, we'll set up distribution deals you know we'd love to go talk to hulu or netflix you know once we've got some justification say hey guys like there's right. some demand here but what we don't want is we don't want any of those networks to touch the the content so my role as executive producer is to make sure that everything is faithful to the ideas and the philosophy and we don't want this going you know on some weird path if uh, right, someone else right. got involved and so we want to make the show that's faithful to these ideas of freedom and then from there once we've proven ourselves then we want to go talk to the big boys about you know licensing and distribution but for now it's just going to be on an app for free watch it as many times as you want wherever you want 
No, that that's amazing. Yeah, because I I knew that it was coming out. I've known. Uh, I think I saw the um, the GoFundMe or the whatever crowdsourcing that you did. Uh, I saw that when it first came out. I may have even given to it. I don't even remember. Um, but <laughs> I have no idea anymore. Um, but uh, I saw it when it first came out, and I was like, man, I wonder where they're going to be releasing it because I didn't actually read it. Um, I was just like, no, I'll give Connor money. I like that guy. Um, but. Um, I, so I've been wondering where it was because, or where it was going to be coming out when it was ready. Um, because I, I can't selfishly, I can't wait to watch it. Uh, because I think I love the books. They're great. Um, I read them before, like I read them before children were in my life. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, I can't wait to watch this. But now I say, I can't wait to show my girlfriend's kids the show yeah. because it'll be a show that I will be able to tolerate. And Spike I will, <laughs> Tell, tell me, Spike, if you felt differently, and obviously with a pilot episode, we're going to get better over time, but what we're going for is what Matt was just talking about. Um, we're, we're really trying with the cartoon to have like the kid level humor and then an adult, like jokes that only the adults are going to get so that the whole family wants to watch this thing. And then naturally the kids are going to be like, well, wait, why was that funny? And then the, the parents can explain and that way the next time the second third fourth fifth time the kids are watching they're going right. to understand the jokes too but we want to create this family experience so that yeah. it's not like no parent wants to watch veggie tales right and so right. that's just like you put your, your kid in front of the tv and like hey kid watch this and while i go do dishes or whatever but for this we want the whole family talking about this together so we're really going for that dual level of humor do you do you feel watching that pilot that that element was there yeah, there was definitely the the um, and it's similar that you see in cartoons in general now where there are certain things that are like, I don't think the kids are going to get that right. Like it's like that that's going to go over kids heads, uh, at least initially. But the parents watching it are going to. I, I think what you built was perfect. And it, I was really cool. Im- impressed with the production values of it. I'm like, this is no different than what I would see on Netflix or, you know, Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon or any of these. Um, and, and it's, I mean, it was the, 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 the work speaks for itself. I think it's incredible. And, uh, I, uh, I really look forward to, to seeing what, how this is going to play out, how it's going to, this go. is, this is something I, fe- I, I criticize our movement for, right. Uh, just collectively speaking, broadly speaking, I feel like we don't have enough kind of, uh, cultural elements, media yep. production. We don't have, I mean, like you think of, I don't know, Hercules, Kevin Sorbo, right. You know, and they're kind of. He's doing his thing and like there's all these like B-listers and and people doing kind of some maybe cheesy stuff or lower production value and things like that. But, you know, I feel like we really need to hook the rising generation. We need to give them something that's engaging. We need something with high production value, you know. And so, yeah, we're we're shooting for the moon here. We animation super expensive. And like the more that you even like like animating someone's mouth to like match the dialogue and every little thing like you add like that adds a ton of cost but looking at it we're like we want this to be a generational thing we want to do dozens of seasons of this thing like we want the Tuttle Twins to be a household name across the world and if we're going to do that we can't go low budget we can't do something half-assed and just you know preach to the choir we got to do something really good that people are going to love and the kids are going to like a Disney movie that they'll just want to watch it again and again and again right? and let those ideas sink in so that's what we're aiming for we see this right. a lot, right? We see this in like uh, in uh, religious media and in in you know sort of conservative media and libertarian media and stuff like that, where they'll put out something that's about 
70% of the way there. And it ends up becoming this thing where it's like, uh, well, I want to watch, you know, whatever the, you know, Adventure Time. And they're like, okay, but first you have to watch this. And they put the thing <laughs> in and the kid watches it. And it's like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Did you learn? Yes, I learned. Can I watch Adventure Time now? This, what, you know, they want to, what you've created is like something that kids are just going to want to watch, like just on its own. It's going to be entertaining in its own right. And there is a lesson there as well. And like you said, as they get more involved in it, they can do the books, they can do the stuff for the kids. I love that you have one for, you know, logical fallacies for, for teenagers, <laughs> but, you know, you can get them along that path. I, I think it's really great. Now, for people to follow you uh, doing this, uh, I, Tuttle Twins is pretty much on all social media uh, platforms. Mm -hmm. And then there's also TuttleTwins.com. Are those yep. the best ways to reach you? Yep. Cool. Cool, man. So you're actually going to stick around with us, folks. We have uh, um, uh, Connor's not just didn't just come on as a guest to talk about his show. He's actually going to stick around with us for a little bit to go over some of the uh, some of the things that have happened this week. Uh, and then we're going to let him go before we get into the ASMR segment, because that's I don't want to think weird. That we're weird. Um, so we don't need gonna, to weird him out more. We don't so. need to weird out the creator of the Tuttle Twins here. We're trying listen to listen to the guys. Tuttle Twins pages. This <laughs> is Imagine the freedom. We yeah. can re we'll do, we're going to do an episode, and hopefully you don't you know, throw a C&D at us, but we're going we're gonna to read uh, uh, a Tuttle Twins book. Um, All right. Probably the one about logical fallacies in ASMR format, and then you'll never Let's come on the show again. Um, so, so I, I read to, the uh, search for Atlas sitting in bed. Like my girlfriend, she, she made breakfast the other day, and I was reading the search for Atlas, and she's like, well, can I hear it? So I read the entire thing out loud while we're lying in bed drinking coffee. And she's like, this is a great way to spend the Saturday morning. And I was like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's ASMR. It's, better than like, it's, it's like a reader's digest. Ver like, no, like so few people are going to go read Atlas Shrugged unless they're like hardcore, you know, you know already objectivist or libertarians. And so we can right. reach a lot more people with Ayn Rand's yeah. ideas that way. Why not? Yeah. No, I, I've read three quarters of Atlas Shrugged and then I stopped. <laughs> I got through the entire thing in one day. It was great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we are now, where's the thing? Hold on. This is okay. Uh, now, speaking of shrugging, you two can shrug off coffee forever with mud water coffee alternative, which brings you the mud water Mushroom coffee replacement cacao rapid fire segment brought to you by Mudwater. Matt? So there's a new virus that is spreading through the country. Brand new. And Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, says if we all get vaccinated or wear masks for two weeks, we should be just fine. And wait, this sounds familiar. I, I sure feel like I've seen time. this. I don't know, man. I think it's going to work this time. This is absolutely. Definitely, this is going to absolutely. Work. Yeah, this time, this time is going to be different. We are not going to lock down for a year. Although, like for for Connor, I feel like that may have been really good for his business. Silver lining in a dark cloud. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's that quote? That's uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me, right? Right. Yes. That was uh, been, Bill Clinton. We've we've been here before. Yes, this 15 is 15 days to 
15 days to slow the spread. I, I thought we were still in day like 507 of 15 <laughs> days to slow the spread. I, I didn't know. We're, we're, we're now in a second phase overlapping yeah. the existing one. 15 we're, more <laughs> days to slow the spread again. Um, right. We're in, we're in day five of Delta as opposed to day 507 of COVID. Yeah, this is... I'm going to say, Connor, I don't know how much you've traveled. Um, in the last year, I have been to 41 or 42 states. I have done close to 200 different events. And I've met, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people. It's, it's at least 20,000 with a conservative estimate. And I have, you know... Basic health and safety precautions I've been using for years. I wash my hands regularly. I don't touch my face unless my hands are clean. I don't eat or drink after strangers or, or really after anyone except, I guess, my wife. And I've been able to remain negative this whole time. And I feel like, and maybe you can you can weigh in on this, I feel like maybe we don't have to try to recreate cold and flu season conditions by telling everyone to stay home unless they absolutely have to go outside. What do you think? So I wrote a book a few years ago called Feardom. Uh, Tom Woods wrote the, the foreword to it. And it was a catalog of how politicians try to exploit our emotions and how we can stop them. And after I published that book, I was really worried. Like I, I was excited a tiny bit, kind of like that silver lining in a dark cloud I just mentioned, but like also horrified that a book like that is never not going to be relevant. It's like Bob Higgs's Crisis and Leviathan yep, that he wrote yep, in the yep. 80s, mm -hmm. right? Our most recent Tuttle Twins book is, I don't think I have it here, but it's based off of that called The uh, Crisis, uh, The Tuttle Twins and the Leviathan Crisis. There we go. Okay. There's your NFT. Ah, you got it. Matt's got it. Got it. <laughs> so this is a cycle that happens again and again. And and so in Feardom, it's basically like the idea here is not safety. It's It's control. And Thomas Jefferson has the great quote where he says that timid men prefer the calm of despotism to the tempestuous sea of liberty. And the problem I think that we as libertarians face is that people do prefer to be taken care of, cradle to grave. They want someone to protect them, to save them, to keep them comfortable and stable, whereas liberty is tempestuous. It's uncertain. It's unpredictable. You might catch COVID. You might die if you've got comorbidities. Right. But it's worth it. Like life is worth living. What's the point of, you know, being under quarantine and not living life? And so I think that's a challenge is that depressingly, we're in a society where people do prefer the column of despotism and uh, they trade their liberty for security. And we have the horrible status quo that we're now in. But I, with you, I've been traveling a lot. I've been fine. Uh, at Freedom Fest, what we were there like a week ago, two weeks ago. Yep. Everyone was yep. jazzed, shaking hands like. Like people were excited to just like rub shoulders again and 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 yep, have yep. humanity back at least to some degree. So I've I've been feeling that at a lot of the events I've been going to is people are fed up and they just want to go back to the old normal. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, a crazy thing about that is very often despotism only provides the fascia or the the facade of of calm and stability when the reality right. is the status quo of despotism and increasing despotism that we live under is also the same status quo that's bringing us you know the cost of living spiraling out of control um the these these the, the fact that covid wasn't able to get uh controlled because for the first two months that the virus was here 
the government wouldn't allow anyone to test for it. So it spread out of control. Then they, uh, you know, shoved COVID patients into nursing homes, which, you know, caused all these headlines of, you know, thousands of old people dying suddenly. And that led to the fear that led to the lockdowns, which have clearly done nothing to slow or stop the spread. So if anything, it seems to me like, you know, yes, there are certainly instances where freedom is more tempestuous, as you put it, or as Jefferson put it, or more unpredictable than despotism. But it, it seems like on the balance, we actually do better when we're more free. It's not just that, you know, freedom in and of itself is is a good thing. It's also that freedom typically makes things better, too, at least in, in, in by my measure. I think uh, I think what Jefferson said should probably be paired with what Bastiat said, talking about that which is seen and that which is not seen. It's very easy right. to see right. the tempestuous liberty. Oh, my gosh, that guy's open carrying a weapon, right? right? Or he's walking around without a mask. Or, oh, my gosh, look at the, the exploding number of cases from the Delta variant as if numbers of cases means anything. And yet right. we fixate on that tempestuous data point or instance, whereas to your point, Spike, I think that which is not seen is the despotism that it, it appears calm, but you don't see the business owner, you know, losing 10 years of his life with all the stress, right. you know, the, the the failed marriages, the child abuse, the suicide rates, yeah. you know, you don't see the stuff that's buried. It doesn't make the news. And yet it's certainly real. And, and you know, it reminds me of back when uh, the Olympics happened a few years ago. And where was it? it was China or something. And they have this whole pretty facade of what everything looks like, but then they don't yeah. let media go to like the slums that are like two blocks away and all right. the oppression. Like, I don't know, it's just orchestrated or manufactured. Right, right. It's it's minders telling us what to look at. Um, so speaking of which, we have uh, new information that you would not have heard outside of the mainstream media, like, uh, for example, on, on a podcast that airs Tuesday nights, usually around 8 p.m., um, uh, Ish. It states that even fully vaccinated people can be carriers of COVID and spread it to other people, Matt, even if they're vaccinated. Yeah. So because you never would have heard that anywhere else before now. Ever. Ever. Uh, it is recommended that everyone should be wearing masks again all the time. Uh, vaccinated, unvaccinated, uh, whether you are indoors, whether you are outdoors, uh, you should be in a mask. Um, and if you need confirmation on this, watch this clip of uh, Fauci we have talking about wearing masks and when you should do that. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated. But in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, wait, that was a, hold, hold, you should wait, wait, wear hold, a mask. Yes. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are. Wait, in one of the in that last one, he said that in the same interview. There was the, he said that. Yeah, that was the exact same interview. Incredible. Protected. And you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community, 
you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric, actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now, if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Because now okay. the CDC sure. says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is that right? I mean, you know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you want it to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it, if you would like to, is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here, where you could get leakage in, is much better contained. And are you a double masker, Dr. Fauci? Look <laughs> like you are. That is just, and this is all like, for those who are going, yes, but the science changed. This is all within like a two or three month period that most of these. Uh, some are. some of those were from last year. Uh, some of those were from some last year. Some of them were the where, same interview. Some of them were the same interview. Uh, wow. that, that, those were from interviews over the course of the entire series. Um, but yeah, the wow. uh, how how quickly he goes back. Like like you said, he goes back and forth so quickly. He does it in an interview uh, on Fox. That was on Fox, right? That was Neil Cavuto. That was Neil yeah. Cavuto. He's still on Fox. That he's still on Fox. Insane. That I just incredible. think of that boy who cries wolf parable or whatever, right? Like right. Villagers exactly. Leaving the boy at some point because he's, you know, making things up and saying stupid stuff. And when are we going to get to the point where we like stop listening to this guy? It's crazy. I, I don't know. So you're, are, you don't consider yourself a Fauciist? <laughs> I, well, maybe, maybe I should consider him competition. Did you see that Fauci's getting a children's book now? It's uh, so. When Fauci goes to Washington and it's got him, you know, as a cartoon character on the cover and it's a whole glorifying, weird, culty kind of book. So um, like last that. year during the pandemic, like when when everything was shut down, even Florida was shut down for a little bit, but we had just reopened. There's this like quirky independent bookstore here that uh, you had to make an appointment to go to because they would only let like two parties in at a time kind of a thing. And they had one, they had a book there that was called uh, how Dr. Fauci became America's doctor. And it was geared to kids. And I saw it and I picked it up and I almost bought it because I didn't want anybody else to. Cause I was, <laughs> my, my desk just go is like over. put it behind a stack of other books way back somewhere where they can't right. see it. Exactly. And I was just like, wow, they are just in the, the same place had a uh, children's book about Pete Buttigieg and a children's book about Nancy Pelosi. And I went, well, I'm just never going to come back to this bookstore. And people wow. accuse me of propaganda. Come right. <laughs> that is it, I, it's just it's it's horrifying. And, you know, at the same time, you know, again, if only if only someone had said that you know the possibility that you know the vaccinated are almost as likely to spread COVID as the unvaccinated on say the night before that it was released that they said that yeah on i don't know kennedy on fox business hold on what are your thoughts yeah i 
I think that the problem is here. I think the data is going to kill their whole, <laughs> say, yeah, this is only a pandemic of the unvaccinated narrative that they've been pushing out for the last month. I think what the data might very well show, if they have, it's one of two things, either they don't have any good data on why they're doing this, or they do, and the data is that vaccinated or un. This is such a shameless plug for me. Anyway, vaccinated, you're going to get COVID <laughs> and you're going to spread it, which kills their whole narrative of, well, this isn't just about you. It's being a good neighbor to others to be vaccinated so you can't spread it to them. But if you still can spread it to them and that turns out to be the case, then if someone's not worried about getting sick personally, then they don't actually have a good reason to tell them that, that they have to get vaccinated. I think that might be it. There's also a possibility that it's the fact that they've never really had good data about the mask mandates. If you'll recall, when they first did their studies about mask mandates in different cities compared to cities that didn't have them, in their reference period, they didn't see any difference in hospitalizations or deaths. So I think what they have, they might have a lot of data, but it might not be showing what they want anyone to see. If only someone had said that. So he's your Senator Spike, I'm certain you've heard. Lindsey Graham, fully vaccinated, and he has COVID now? Yes. Yeah, did you... Uh, <laughs> shocking uh a uh, strategist a for the rhode island democratic party named kate coin mccoy uh i saw this earlier today and i forgot to add it to the notes uh tweeted out i hope or it's wrong to hope he dies from covid right <laughs> i mean i get it i'm anyway so the uh i i, I get it but i i mean the the, the texas democrats who left texas and they were on a plane together and a bunch of them got right. COVID. They were all vaccinated. Like it is it the is DC like, mayor. And I, the DC mayor. All all of these people. So it's by the way, we're not anti on anti-vax on this on this program, but they're saying that this particular type of vaccine doesn't actually necessarily make you immune from the virus. It just preps your immune system to fight it better so that it comes basically not as a novel virus. So you're much less likely to get sick or, or die. Right. Okay, great. Then it's a personal choice. If I can still get it and spread it to other people, either way, in almost the same level, then why are you pressuring me to get it? If I don't want to get it, if someone else doesn't want to get it, then that's our personal choice that affects our personal health and literally no one else. Right. I'm sure Connor At has some point we went little. from like risk mitigation to like we can't have anyone getting COVID at all, right? Before 15 Ever. days to flatten the curve, it was really just about maximizing hospital capacity and spreading out the inevitable, right? Right infection that everyone was going to get and now for some reason people think like like focusing on the case counts i guarantee you had we been doing this for influenza for years people would have been losing their minds with how many people were getting the flu and the flu yeah. kills all kinds of people and there's a vaccine and a lot of people right. don't get it and some people do like and it's just amazing how when you can fixate people's attention on something they're gonna have this like irrational fear about it where they can't evaluate risk relative to everything else in their life right and uh and and i mean it's fear porn people obviously are addicted to this right now and the media is seeing tons of clicks and i don't see them stopping anytime soon right and so you saw this a lot when uh fauci's emails uh came out and the entire time he wasn't worried about you know, treating the people who had it. It was, he was worried about numbers and then he was just worried about vaccine. He wasn't ever re really worried on how to treat it or how to uh, slow it in any way. Cause he was just like, no, we need to figure out what the cure is. We need to get the vaccine. 
And then once they got the vaccine, it's just all, it was all about the vaccine. Um, and at no point was it, we need to figure out a cure. We need to figure out how to slow it because as we've learned over the last year and a half, um, the three things that you shouldn't do if you have COVID is to isolate yourself, stay indoors and um, not go out, you know, not go outside um, because uh, the sun helps cure you. Yeah, but but uh, big pharma can't package and sell the sun. So that's <laughs> that's valid. Yet, 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 yet. Yeah. Give it time. Soon, soon you'll Give have it a, time. You'll get, I got to get my monthly UV ray infusion. Donald Trump tried to yeah. tell us to be he's going to put sunlight in our veins or whatever he said back in the last year. <laughs> um, so speaking of uh, former presidents, I did it. I finally had a relevant segue. Uh, former President Barack Obama, Matt is uh, and Connor uh, is throwing himself a 60th birthday party in a place where COVID apparently doesn't exist, Martha's Vineyard, uh, where there's going to be 475 guests uh, and uh, over 200 staff members. It's really nice that COVID doesn't exist on Martha's Vineyard. COVID definitely does not exist on Martha's Vineyard. I'm grateful for for these instances. I think the more that happen, the better. I mean, it's like when people get upset with like Trump or biden or obama golfing instead of working i'm like i want them golfing every single day nothing but golf yeah yeah and and so i feel like it's people get outraged oh my gosh how dare you know obama hold this party and i'm like the more that this crap happens the more this all unravels and the better off we're gonna be you know and you've got the dc mayor and then you had the uh california governor you know doing his little party and all the hypocrisy is just showing that it's like rules for me and rules for thee it's showing the elitism it's showing the authoritarianism this is how we kind of break things down is by getting people to be so disgusted with their overlords that they just have widespread non-compliance and so the more this happens i'm just sitting here like applauding from the sidelines saying all right Right. another case that kind of puts a little you know crack in the uh the facade here to, to try and dismantle it all together. Well, right. what, what it also, so, what it also go, go ahead, Matt, go ahead. I was going to say, so you, like you, you have seen this throughout the entire uh, pandemic where you, you know, you had a uh, Nancy Pelosi going to get her haircut or whatever, when they shut down all the salons in San Francisco, then you had a uh, Whitmer um, doing literally everything. She said, told people not to do. She and went to she Florida. Did all of it. She went to Florida. <laughs> She, she literally did all of it. Uh, everything oh. that she was like, no, you can't do that. And she, but I'm going to, but screw you. You don't, you don't get a choice. Um, but, and you know, the, the DC mayor now Obama who like, and Obama like recently was tweeting out about the Delta variant um, and how it can spread quickly and hurt people um, even if they're vaccinated. So I'm interested to see the logic between him reaching that to I'm going to throw a party with over six with like 700 people. Well, it's 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 okay, Matt and, and Connor, because Jim Jim is it Pasaki or Saki? Is Saki, but Saki circle back. Saki said uh, it wasn't a big deal because uh, Barack Obama has been a huge advocate of individuals getting vaccinated, and what CDC has provided guidance on is for indoor settings and higher substantial high zones of COVID cases, and that this event is outdoors and in a moderate zone. You know, moderate zone, 675 people from all over the world. In all over the world. Together. Moderate. <laughs> S- super moderate. spreader event. <laughs> right. This is, su- this is a Ob- super spreader event. Yes. It's the super spreader 60th. 
super this is a uh, global warming uh crisis isn't it everyone's <laughs> flying in their private private jets private jets you know yeah. not paying their carbon offsets no yep. you know no it's a nightmare the other aspect of what you were saying connor is that not only does it show the whole you know rules for thee and not for me thing it also shows they know this stuff is full of crap if if yeah. barack obama or mayor bowser or uh or gretchen whitmer or um uh, uh the uh, texas Newsom. democrats yeah yeah or the texas democrats or you know any of these people and there have been republicans too there everyone get you know everyone uh, uh the governor of of ohio mike uh dewine if they actually believed in their own orders being effective they would obey them themselves because they don't want to get covid and potentially die Nancy Pelosi's 81, right? Like these are some of these are people that are well within the age where it's not. I mean, you don't want to get it, you, you know, vaccinated, not vaccinated. You, you don't want to get it. And they still routinely flout their own orders, which means not only we already knew they thought they're above the law, but what they're saying is they don't think this actually works. They don't think it's yep. necessary or effective yeah. or else they'd be following it themselves. They're saying, and it's another reason why we can applaud this, like you said, is they're saying this is all garbage. It's full of crap. There's not, it's all, it's fake. And so it basically tells us we can disobey it just like they do. They, we, if they want to flout I, I it, think, so can we. I think the last part that we have to figure out how to overcome, I, I've been thinking about this in the past few weeks, is I think what this really boils down to because of everything that you just pointed out it's really just the the virtue signaling. It's a projection of being someone who cares. And as I think about the businesses, so many business owners, they don't want to comply with this crap anymore. They don't want to have these restrictions. Mm. They don't want to have to require vaccines or ask for people's papers or require masks or any of that kind of stuff. What are they worried about? They're worried about all of the Karens like bombarding their Yelp page or Google page with negative <clears throat> reviews. Yep. And so they have to project that like every time you spike, you've been flying a lot. I've been flying and every, oh, we're here for you. We care for you. Like, no, you just don't want people to be upset with you. That's all this really boils down to. And you're terrified that if you don't go along with this ruse and pretend like everyone else is, and we all know it's kind of this pretend concern now that the mom is going to come after you. And that's the piece that I don't know how we overcome. I don't know how we disempower the Karens to bombard these, you know, review pages and leave nasty reviews and stuff. That to me is the the puzzle piece that if we can figure out how to solve and not care about those people and their opinions and go about it. Like if this was pre-social media, I think we would have regained our freedoms far faster, but it's because of all these review opportunities and its ability to, for anyone to publish a tweet and have it go viral and, you know, have someone be canceled. I think that's the hard element of us letting go of what these Karens care about and for us to not care what they say. And I don't know how we solve that little last piece. I feel like that's what's missing. I think if we apply rules for radicals, we isolate and stigmatize them and make them look as foolish as they are. The, the, the mm. fact that the truth's on our side, if and, and this is something we as libertarians are often loath to do because, you know, we want just the facts to to you know, to win out because they're the facts. But right. the reality is, you know, we're in a we're not in a marketplace of our ideas as much as a battlefield of ideas. And we can stay, you know, consistent with our beliefs while also engaging. You know, a, a lot of people think that Saul, that rules for radicals was specifically for progressives. It actually wasn't. It, it's it's a it's a a a case study of how 
uh, different practices can be used to, you know, politically isolate and and harm your opponents. And, and in this case, I think that if someone is out there trying to ruin people's lives and livelihoods uh, through their, you know, borderline aggressive actions uh, in, in commenting and threatening and, 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 you know, calling the police and all this stuff, call them out. No one likes a snitch. So call them out is what they are, the Karens and the snitches. I actually like the whole labeling people like this as Karens because it has really blunted the people that were like, well, I'm right. going to speak to the manager until everyone has to wear a mask. It's like, okay, Karen, calm down. And, you know, I think that that's actually an example of that. And I think we probably just need to do more of that. Just isolate these folks when they're doing it and say, look at this schmuck who won't let you know, a bunch of people choose to be together, harming no one because they're freaking out. You know, they're so worried about staying safe at home. Here they are standing out in front of the store, screaming at the top of their lungs, spreading their their formites or whatever they're called all over the place. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's it's you know, it's absurd. Now, thankfully, guys, uh, if for the people that are watching in New York City that are watching Obama have this, you know, party with, you know, 675 people from all over the world, they're, they should be very happy to know that now, uh, if they're not vaccinated, they can't do anything. Anything indoors. Indoors. Anything at all indoors. So like, in, I was going to say, like, I, I was wondering how, like in a city like New York, where now literally you can't go to a restaurant, gym, indoor arena, anywhere, like basically anywhere inside without a vaccination card. Like, what do the shop owners do then? Because you're right. They don't want to do this. Now they're just being forced to do it. They're being told, yep. no, in order to stay in business, you have to accept these things. Yep. Um, so what do the shop owners do here? Like, I don't want to comply, but I need to stay in business. I have to stay in business. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I had a couple times on the trail where I we would go into an area with a, a mask mandate that was being uh, not just brutally enforced, but kind of selectively enforced. They were they were going after specific businesses. They were trying to shut down, uh, you know, mm -hmm. so if there was anyone even, you know, not wearing a mask over their nose, they'd come in and give them a hard time. And so, you know, we'd go into either a restaurant or, or whatever during the campaign. And I would typically go in without a mask just in general. And, and uh, you know, I'd have people say, listen, I don't like it, but we are routinely getting threatened we'll lose our business license. Please put the, please put the mask on until you step, step 10 steps over there and sit down, then you can take it off. It's total foolishness. But if someone is right. watching and they don't see me telling you to please put your mask on, I'm going to get in trouble even more than you are. And in those cases, we do it. We'd put the mask on. I'd sometimes I'd literally just hold it over my face, walk over and take it off to show just the whole absurdity of the thing. But, you know, we would do it because what, what are we going to do? Wreck that, that, you know, restaurants livelihood because of a bunch of, you know, uh, keystone cops in their city enforcing this thing. So I think a lot of the business owners, they just feel held hostage, right? Like it's, right. I, I've had a number of them come to me and say similar things. They're like, I hate this. I, I'm trying to find ways to fight against it. But in the meantime, I'd prefer to to play these shenanigans than be shut down. Right. And they feel like it's this massive trade-off where if they don't go along, you know, then, then the alternative is, as we've been seeing throughout the country, this very willing um, – use by the government of this like lockdown power to just ban business altogether and, and they they clearly don't want that so they're willing to tolerate quite a lot of impositions on their freedom yeah yeah and that and that's been one of the 
like seeing what they announced in New York today, which I have to be a little honest. I don't know if they announced this to try to blunt the news of Cuomo getting the sexual assault, uh, being found uh, guilty of sexual assault or in the investigation. Um, I don't know which one they put out to blunt the other one. I'm not sure which one was there to (laughs) add it. That was there as a buffer for the other news. I'm not sure. Well, I do know. I mean, Bill de Blasio hates uh, Andrew Cuomo. So I tend to think that I'm honestly not sure. I I, I think that this I don't know which one it is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know why people still live there anymore. I I have no idea, but I'm grateful that they live there instead of here (laughs) in Florida because I don't want you voting that way here. Well, they're they're working their way there, but it's often the ones that are trying to escape that that are that are working their way. Then, um, right. you know, this this is a I mean, it's the biggest city uh, in the uh, in North America, actually, I think, or second largest to Mexico City. But it's it's the largest uh, city in the U.S., one of the largest on Earth. And, uh, you know, remember, I, by the way, folks, remember, you know, I don't know, week ago when, you know, even suggesting that there were going to be vaccine passports was considered extremist misinformation and conspiracy theories, even though the government literally said that they were working with private entities to create the the protocols for these vaccine passports. And now here they are. Um, This is very similar, Connor, to I remember last year like in as early as March of last year, making anti-lockdown videos. We hadn't even had lockdowns here yet. And I was saying they're coming. Here's what's happening in other countries. And here's why lockdowns don't work and are a stupid idea. And I would have people in the comments saying, you idiot, that'll never happen here. That's a conspiracy theory. Just because it's happening in China and Italy and France and Spain and parts of Canada and there's our cities suggesting it and there we're being threatened that it's going to happen and they're already limiting the number of people that can be in outdoor events they'd never tell us we have to stay in our house and within weeks those were the same people saying you idiot if you go outside you're killing my grandmother and it, it just goes to show how quickly that can turn so that now this thing that was you know misinformation uh you know a matter of days ago is now you know is now happening in the largest city in the country you could get kicked off of Facebook and Twitter a week ago for things that are, you know, being stated as Perfectly true. And, and yeah. yeah. I, if you guys haven't read it or your audience, I loved reading the book uh, by Milton Mayer called uh, They Thought They Were Free. And it's this interview with a bunch of Germans in post-World War II Germany. And, and Milton Mayer, he was an American journalist of Jewish, uh, of Jewish heritage and German descent. So he's interested in this question for like multiple reasons, all these, you know, right. American journalists, Jewish, German, and he's like trying to figure out what's going on. So he goes to interview these Germans from all walks of life, trying to answer the question, like, how did you let this happen? How, how did, why did you support it? How did you go along with it? And it's Spike, it's kind of like what you were just saying. It's this, oh, this could never happen. Oh, that next thing is absurd. Oh, that, you know, yep. that, that next thing is going to happen. And we see from, from, if I were to boil down, which is a disservice to some of the amazing interviews and insights that are in there, but you boil it down and it really, all of their stories come down to, well, we didn't object to that thing before. And so why would we object to this next incremental thing? And that next one didn't seem, you know, like that was going to happen, but had you at the beginning told us it would go to the end, we would have clearly objected to that, but we were conditioned in this constant incremental 
almost like paralysis of act of, of inaction because we had been conditioned to not stand up to A, B, or C. And so by the time right. we were at X and Y and Z, we were used to like our failed predictions, our inability to see what was coming down the path, getting used to listening to experts. It was, it was very mind-opening for me to see the degree to which humans are willing to put up with this authoritarianism. And I'm not comparing at all what we're going through with Nazi Germany. And yet there are echoes of what happened then to what's happening now. And you can see similar psychological things at play that I think are really insightful for us to have this warning about because it could get a lot worse. Yeah. And so this isn't, there this, was a... this isn't, this isn't to compare to Nazi Germany. It's to say that in any of these cases of this sudden increase in totalitarianism uh, in multiple re uh, historical references, large and small, every single one of them starts with, well, we're only going to do this. And it's because of this thing you're really scared of. And then, well, no, well, we're going to have to do this. And they just, you know, uh, uh, who is it? Rupert uh, Aris Mendez in the comments said, you know, frog in the boiling water. Like that's that's the right. whole you know, you slowly t bring it up until eventually they don't realize that they're literally being scalded. And, uh, you know, it, it's which is why we need to fight tooth and nail this idea of government banning through social media misinformation, because we keep finding that today's mis misinformation is tomorrow or next week's you know, truth that we've been trying to expose, including this potential lab leak in China. I remember I was being called a racist for e during the campaign when someone asked <laughs> yeah. me about the lab leak. And I said, I don't know. It's possible. Is it possible that communist China screwed up in their in their research that they were doing and it accidentally leaked and that now they're trying to cover it up and, and, and we're trying to cover up that it even existed. And then after that, they blamed it on wet markets. Is that possible? It's absolutely possible. Is it possible that the the you know, the consensus theory right now is also true? Yeah, that's also possible. But I don't trust uh, communist dictatorships. I don't even tr trust my own government. Why would I trust theirs? And people are saying, oh, that's racist against Chinese people. Turns out now that that's a viable theory that that's happening. So there was this um, there was this show. It may still be on Netflix. It's uh, Darren Brown, who's he, he's an, he's a British uh, mentalist, like magician. Uh, Darren Brown pushed to the edge. It's either called that or the push. I don't remember which one. But in it, he takes this guy and he just slowly gets him to do things that are wrong, little by little by little, up until he asks him to push somebody off of the ledge of a building. Um, and it's that same theory because at the beginning he's like, I shouldn't do this, but all right, I'm going to do it. And then each one is just incrementally worse. And it was a great yep. visualization of what you see happening in a lot of totalitarian governments where it's just like, okay, we're just going to go this far. Okay. Yep. Well now this far, now this far up until the unthinkable is being asked of people, but it's too late at that point. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a great show. Uh, I don't remember if it was a series or a show or a single thing, but it was fantastic. I'll have to so look much. into that. It's a it's a modern version of what's been known for decades, the Stanley Milgram experiment. Right. Uh, yes. M-I-L-G-R-A-M. And this has yep. been replicated. A lot of studies, oh, you know, you'll hear on the news like experts say this or study, you know, a new study shows this. And the problem with all these studies is they're often not replicable, right? It's like they had some crappy study right. that, you know, if it's true, if it's data oriented, if it's science, you should be able to replicate it. The Milgram experiment has been replicated time and again, showing yep. the degree to which people are willing to follow orders, right? <laughs> yep. In the original experiment, it was, it was you're sitting there and this guy in a lab coat 
who looks yeah. all official that Dr. Like is saying, you need to shock the person in the other room. And the other person in the room was part of the ruse, right? They weren't actually being shocked. And each right. time that person would hit the button, they'd, the guy in the next room, ah, you know, he'd like get, pretend to get zapped. But the person pushing the buttons thinks this is all real and part of this important, very important experiment. And, yeah. and so the lab coat guy is pushing the, 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 the button pusher. No, you need to do the next one that increases the voltage. And no, you got to do the next one. And pretty soon the guy in the other room is like screaming bloody murder, like, stop this, unhook me now. You know, I feel like my, I'm going to have a heart attack. And the person on the other end, of course, is like terrified. Like, should I really do this? Do I really need to? Yeah. And the person is like, no, the lab coat is like, no, this is really important. We have to see this through to the end. Yeah. And how many people are administering even the fatal doses? And so they get to the end. There's no more sounds coming There's from no the other sound. room. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you think he's paralyzed or dead. And the guy's sitting there like, should, should someone help him? Should keep we do something? It. Yeah. Keep pressing. And keep they pressing. do. They keep yeah. pressing the button. And so over and over again, people, these experiments have shown, I guess this roof one is a newer uh, uh, iteration of that, that people are willing to obey orders, even going against the, the dictates of their own conscience. And that to me is such a depressing uh, revelation about the human condition that people are willing to subordinate their own conscience to the the whims of even pretend authority that's just wearing a lab coat, you know, much more like official government, you know, people. It's it's yeah. crazy, and 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 two horrifying, even even uh, equally horrifying aspects to what you just said with the Milgram experiment. Number one, those people in the lab coats never said this is the law; you have to do it, or you're going to get in right. trouble. They right. never threaten the person. They only, in a very stern tone, authoritative tone, say. You have to do this. You have this to is do very it. important. Mm -hmm. It's crucial to our study. They have the, uh, they know that they can get out and leave at any time and refuse to do this. And there were a, a small minority of people who go, I'm not doing this. As soon as the person went, ah, the first time, they're like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not shocking anyone. But the majority of people, not with under any threat of coercion, not under any kind of, oh, you're going to get in trouble. You'll be the one in there getting shot. It literally just, you have to do this. It's very, very important. It is crucial to this study that you continue to do this. The other thing that's really scary is that first shock starts with ah what was that wow that was terrible and then it goes ah and then it goes ah and then, you know the total screaming uh, to the point of, of and then like you said to nothing where they're just pressing the button and nothing's happening and it started with oh hey that was inconvenient i didn't like that right and so it makes it sort of with this like well i guess the next step is what I, and it's building this foundation foundation upon foundation of well this level yeah. of harm is okay well this level of harm is necessary too well you know this level of harm is necessary too and at, th at some point there's a sunken cost fallacy that happens where it's like mm. i'm already this far in i better just see it through to the end and and that's that's what this system of despotism is built on is on just constantly growing that level of comfort that people have with harming themselves and others for the thing whatever it is you know the 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 whatever the effort or initiative is it's horrifying yeah you should I do, mean, so are you gonna do a a a, a tuttle tin twins milgram experiment book <laughs> well we'll have to throw maybe that maybe in teens. a cartoon episode <laughs> Oh, M is for Milgram. Um, okay, so uh, so speaking, so here's the the final thing we're gonna have Connor on for. In fact, we actually have a question for Connor on the personal one. injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor Colin moment. 
where you can go to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters and you can leave messages for me and Matt and this week for Connor uh, and we will answer them right here on this show, The Muddy Waters of Freedom, every Tuesday at 8 p.m.-ish Eastern. And uh, you can also, while you're on anchor.fm slash muddywaters, you can also press the old donate button and leave us some money. And then that way we'll have more money to do this show and maybe we'll do a show without an error. We didn't this one, but it's bound to happen. Um, we've been pretty much error free. We just had that one, um, and uh, you don't oh, have for to this show money for this episode. It was just the one, right? Right. Yeah. So far, that's what I'm saying. It was just one. We're not, we're the good. We're gonna be good from now on. We're gonna yeah. We're gonna be good. But I'm in a groove. Um, you don't have to donate money for us to uh, play your question or answer it, but we will like you more. Um, so let's go to the questions here. It's not an you error that I forgot to pull them up. Skip what? No, that's if, if you want to skip the Brian one. Yeah, we'll do that Brian. one later. Yeah, we'll do, we'll that, do one that one later. later. Um, and then, uh, well, so we'll start with this one from John Bartasic. Bartasic. I can't hear anything. Hmm. You jinxed yourself. There's your yeah, second error. This isn't an error. Hold on. This is not an error. Hold on. So yesterday, the NFL. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay. See, this was this was the Chrome. This wasn't me. All right, here's from John Bartasek. Hey there, Matt and Spike. This is John Bartasek from uh-huh. Richmond, Virginia. So yesterday, the NFL sent out a memo further demonizing all unvaccinated personnel in the league. And they did this 20 days after players had the option to opt out for the year. Kind of seems like a little bit of a extortion and that if this information had been available before the opt out date, a lot more players would have opted out. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know, Spike, uh, the NFL is either you have to get the shot or you have to uh, comply to a weekly COVID test at your own expense. Um, And a lot of players did not want to do that. So some people have said, I'm just going to quit and they've left. Some people have gotten fired because they refused to get the shot. Um, But they did it after they said, after they gave you the opt out option. They didn't make that rule before that expired. So it was like, they took, they were like, you can opt out of the season if you want, but then everybody was like, okay, well, this thing looks like it's clearing up. We don't really want to do that. And then right. after that, they said, oh, well, now you have to get the shot or you have to get tested every week. And I know that the uh, Tennessee Titans quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, uh, recently broke down and got the shot uh, because he, he didn't want to have to worry about getting tested every week and wear, be like the only person wearing a mask on his team. And it was – what the NFL has done here was they took away their actual freedom of choice on this thing by saying, well, no, now you, if you opt out this year, it will count against you. It won't just be a, a free pass for a year. What And what's insane about this is, according to the government, now 70% of Americans have gotten at least one shot, which means we're about maybe two weeks away from uh, from full from what they call herd immunity herd immunity is from 60 percent up why are we still doing this and the answer is what i said on the the kennedy thing and uh on uh fox business uh 8 8 p.m eastern um the the reason that 
I, that this happened is the reason they're saying is because we don't have herd immunity with vaccination. You can still get it and spread it. The only way right. that you can not that you can potentially not get it and spread it and actually be immune is to get COVID. Like that's that's the only way. And even some people that get COVID still are able to get it and spread it again afterwards. Usually it's it's less severe the, the second and third and so forth time. But but the reality is like there is no such thing as herd immunity for this. So and and. Again, if you have the vaccine, you can still get it and spread it. So just let people make their own choices. Regarding the uh, you have to get tested at your own expense, there's federal law that says that anyone who wants to get the test in America can get it for free. So I don't even know how they would enforce that. That's the federal government or taxpayer or whatever are, are paying for it. So how could they say you have to pay for this test? I, I don't even know how that's possible. To me, to me, there's an interesting libertarian question here, right? Because it's like you should have the freedom of association to require anything you want as a condition of working. And, and if it's my company, my property rights, you know, I should be able to, you yeah. know, make you stand on one leg. And if that's what you want to do as a condition of working here, then that's my right. And so I can see the, the argument and I tend to fall even even now, even still uh, to the argument that business owners, NFL, all these groups, they have the right. I, I can call them stupid. I can say they're doing dumb right. stuff. But I think they have the right to do it. But I've been persuaded. I've seen in some libertarian circles some folks advancing the argument that, you know, they'll, they'll go to the extreme and they'll say, all right, well, the cattle cars hauling all the, the Jews to the gas chamber. What if those were a privately owned company? Right. Is it OK? Just because, you know, and, and I'm like, OK, well, I can see the argument where in this climate of fear and bullying where the government is trying to outsource its uh, executive function or its verification of you know whether people are being vaccinated to the private sector and pushing businesses to doing this. There's this weird middle ground where if you're kind of deputizing the private sector on your behalf to have this kind of quasi-authoritarianism, I can at least see an argument being made that this isn't quite you know private companies doing what they want of their own accord. They're they're right. operating under duress. And and so in that element or in that circumstance, I can at least see the argument saying, well, maybe there's a basis to like sue the company or fight back somehow um, and not have this pure argument of, oh, it's their company, their property rights to do what they want. But, you know, if they're the ones being deputized by the state, then like maybe they should suffer the same fate of the state and be opposed, just like we're opposing the state doing these mandates. Uh you know, this is similar to, you know, the, the social media censorship argument that we've been having for years now. And what I've always said is, you know, yes, in a purely, you know, private world, we can just look at this and say, hey, listen, they can do whatever they want with their platform. We should be looking more at how, if at all, is government involved? So in the example with social media, uh, social media has been part of the Atlantic Council, which is a, a consortium of multiple government agencies and multiple governments, including the U.S. government, mostly Western developed country governments that are setting standards for, uh, you know, suggestive standards, of course, under the threat that you'll get in trouble if you don't use it uh, for social media companies. So I don't really see, increasingly, I don't really see Mark Zuckerberg as the enemy. Uh, I see the people like Joe Biden who claim that Mark Zuckerberg is killing people by allowing us to share our concerns about the COVID vaccine, which keep being proven right. Uh, that <laughs> it's, it's really government that is the issue here. So, you know, going to this thing, yeah, you know, the NFL relies heavily on subsidies and tax breaks and eminent domain from federal and state and local governments uh, across the country. And if they then, if those governments then go, 
oh, by the way, it'd be a real shame if some of our biggest public-private partnership corporatist partners were to not mandate vaccination. And man, there'd be a lot of liability and a, a, a definite drop in the tax breaks we'd be giving them. Yeah, you're now you've got you've got a, a you know, part of corporatism is the yeah. facade of free market capitalism, when the reality is you have government centrally planning things so heavily and picking winners and losers. And yeah, that leads to, you know, would the NFL absent all of those controls and coercion, would they be, and mandates in some cases, uh, be um, be uh, requiring it? I don't know. But ultimately, it's kind of academic because it is in the midst of all that that that's happening. I think at the very least, we should be calling it out. Even if we then say, hey, listen, they have the right to do it, uh, even if there is some government coercion, at the very least, we need to be calling it out as stupid, um, if yeah. nothing else. Um, so here is the next one from Jacob LaBelle. Haven't had one from him in a while. Hey guys, this is Jacob LaBelle, one of the real ones. I have a question for Connor, if he's still available. Connor, who could write a better children's book? You or Guy on Left? Wow. Wow. Guy on Left is Matt, by the way, Connor. That, that's me, in case you didn't know who Guy on Left was. <laughs> wow. I uh, I wondered if this guy is your ASMR guy. Sounded like he's like a late night talker. Right. Like <laughs> soothing Jeez. sounds in Seattle. Jacob. Tune in now. Wow. Wait, well, I let, feel so. Let the market be the now. judge. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like I can answer Ooh, this with he has twelve like, published children's books and sold like one point what last year. <laughs> Connor's response Just a few. was the most subtle burn ever <laughs> on this show. Hey, I'll just let the market figure it out. Right. Yeah. He he sold over That's... a million books last year and I sold like 40. I think What's that your we book? already Matt, I don't I don't know you had it. I didn't know you have a book. I do. Yeah, I've got a book. It's uh I've got two books. Um they are not children's books. Do not read them to your children unless you're I was going to say parent. don't read those to children. <laughs> Jesus. Do not read those to children unless you are an awful parent. Um one is called Can You Keep a Secret? And it is the story of a very uh, introverted young man who falls in love with an alcoholic sex addict with multiple personalities. Um, wow. And the, yeah, it's based on a true story. Um, and <laughs> I wish that was a joke. Um, and the other one is called Dear Jack, Diary of an Addict. And it's about four friends who come together to help one of them get off a of heroin. And as he is getting over his addiction, um, as he's getting over the initial hump of his addiction, uh, it is juxtaposed against diary entries that show how he got into it. Mm, cool. Also, are they recent or they've been out for a while? Um, so can you keep a secret came out in 2017 and, uh, dear Jack diary of an addict came out in 2000. I quit drinking in 2000. Yeah. 2014. 14. I, uh, what was weird for me is I wrote several books for adults before I started doing Tuttle Twins. I've written, I think now like 30 books overall. And when we started doing the Tuttle Twins books, it was actually, it was hard. Like I can write, for me, it's really easy to write a book for adults and I can just kind of stream of consciousness, just, you know, type, 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 yep. edit it and off I go. And, and that wasn't laborious. Like it takes a while and, and whatever. But man, like doing a book for kids was a unique challenge that took us a while to find our groove because you got to like simplify it in a way where the kids can 
um, understand it, but then it has to be engaging at their level, but it has to be challenging. So it has to be kind of like pulling them in a direction where they're going to want to keep reading it. But you don't want, especially for what we're doing with our kids' books, you don't want to dumb these ideas down too much because right. we're already trying to simplify them. Anyways, it was kind of a process for us to figure out how to like balance all that stuff together. So when I first got into the Liberty Movement, um, I had written one of the books. I've written Dear Jack, Diary of an Addict. And uh, I had started Can You Keep a Secret, but I hadn't finished it yet. But then I decided that I wanted to do a Liberty book for children. Uh, so I actually started one years ago. And you're right, it was it was so difficult to to change my mindset from writing books that were geared toward full like to adult people who can understand when I'm talking about using heroin. I'm not saying you should go out and try heroin. Um to trying to hey, kids. liberty <laughs> Hey kids, heroin's great. Heroin. Um I forget my parents watch this show. Um but uh <laughs> like switching from switching from that to trying to explain, you know, like the non-aggression principle and uh government overreach to children. Uh, and mine was going to be centered in a school where the government was like the principals and the teachers and the kids were just trying to mm -hmm. live a normal life. But it, it was really hard and I had to give it up. And then I heard you on the Tom Woods show. And then I went, so I got your books and I was like, well, this guy's doing it better than I can. So I'm just you know, like, do it. I, I got to say, I've enjoyed having a bit of a monopoly for a while in, in kind of what we're doing that no one else has done this and we, we just kind of like fill the void and sell a ton of books. And, and look, that's great. We enjoy it. But the, the ideological side of me, like the community builder trying to change the world or yeah. whatever, I'm like, we need like a thousand more people doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Julie Borowski has got her book. No one knows yeah. how to make a pizza. And she's got the porcupine one too. And there's the voluntarist, uh, there's a voluntarist book for kids. And yeah. there's some others who have been kind of dabbling and, and doing some stuff. And like, okay, sure, it's competition or whatever, but like, I I think we need a lot more of that because competition's good. It's going to happen. Absolutely, it's going to yeah. happen. Competition's you're, good. You're you are uh, doing a proof of concept in an entire market to show as, there's even a demand for this, and you're actually building as you, demand. As you for discussed it. in this their spectacular show business, competition is <laughs> good because right. it makes you. Uh, drives prices down those expensive tuttle twins books gotta gotta go down in cost <laughs> gotta bring them down bring them down create a price <laughs> equilibrium for for the tuttle twins so yeah i i haven't unlike anyone else here i i've only published one book um as a child when i was uh, i believe seven i uh, wrote a book which was published at my school uh, about my grandmother having her gallbladder removed and it's called my mamie had her gallbladder removed or my mamie's gallbladder which was removed. Now, was, I was, what it, it, was it illustrated? Me. Yes, by me. Um, it, wow. I, I tried my best to draw a, a gallbladder being taken out of my grandmother <laughs> multiple times. It's pretty gruesome. I'll read that. We'll read. We'll do an ASMR segment where I read my my. <laughs> nice. We're, we're going to do a story a story episode story where time. we just read books. <laughs> and, <laughs> include, and just read mine about. I also I also uh, so that's you know, uh, and it did not sell well. It did not. My parents bought one. Um, I think it's my good. grandmother bought one too. God rest her soul. Um, now so you can make an one. NFT about it, and you know. Yes, I can make, make an make NFT. More money. My, my Mamie's gallbladder. So here's the next one from Josh. Hey Matt and Spike, and Connor. Um, just wondering if you guys have read any of the Tunnel Twins books or any of the other books that Connor has put together. 
Um, I think they're absolutely amazing. I wish I had them when I was a kid. They would have helped me wake up a lot sooner um, to everything. And I'd say my kids absolutely love your books, Connor. They already understand you don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. And I was just wondering also if you have any more books coming out for kids because I would absolutely love to buy them. So I think his first question was, um, have you read any of your books, Connor? Have I read any of them? You say they're good, but have you read them? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh i i read the so when i do the drafts my i have two kids a boy and a girl and they're not twins but i've modeled the personalities of the Tuttle twins after my own children and so they get kind of insider access right because the script will change and we'll iterate we'll drop a character or change things and so they always love reading it at the end because they know the evolution of the story and they're like oh you know we know what it really was before so yeah it's i'm actually a a paranoid reader of my books because I'm always worried that there's going to be a typo that yeah. despite all that, like I have oh, three wow. editors go over these and like, you know, and, and I'll tell you this, Matt, that, that Leviathan crisis book you got, there's, I'm not going to tell you where you can go find them now, but there's two typos in it that despite all the reading and all the checking, you know, I, I get the book Matt and then I'm doing this them. like leisurely read after we got the, like we ordered 40,000, printed books we we do tranches of forty thousand at a time and i was like oh crap <laughs> you just turn this into a brand new game for me there yeah, you go yeah, he'll find them. <laughs> he'll find them. let me know how it goes in terms of future books so that 12th one just came out a few weeks ago um and we're working on uh figuring out what we want to do for book 13 but we're also working on more toddler books we're working, as I said, on the fourth kind of choose your consequence uh, novel for teens. We're working on uh, some guidebooks. We're working on a really big American history textbook for kids about kind of the Declaration of Independence, the Revolution, the Constitution, but from kind of a Murray Rothbard conceived in liberty, libertarian slant on American wow. history to talk about the philosophy and the ideas and the classical liberalism rather than just these battles happened and they were upset right. about taxation yeah. without representation. There's so much more to it. And yeah. with all the consternation over like 1619 project and, uh, and critical race theory and all that garbage, we felt like it's a good time to go deep on American history and give kind of the libertarian angle on how everything went down. Um, and that tension and power between, you know, the people and the aristocrats and the elite. And anyway, so, so we're working on a lot, these bags under my eyes, if you can see them there, uh, I don't sleep a lot. We're trying to churn out a lot of content, but like, like with last year selling 1.3 million books and this year trying to do 2 million, like I feel this urgency, um, to get a lot more material out and get the cartoons out and really try and accelerate this because, um, I feel like we've kind of lost you know the the adult generation it's gonna be very hard to like persuade people but i feel a lot more hope when it comes to like families and their kids and like i'm a big ron paul guy and and i credit him with bringing me into the movement he's he's why i'm here and um the thought that i often have is like who is the next ron paul or pick your your liberty hero whoever that is and like but for the fact that he read a Tuttle Twins book when he was 12 years old or something 
he would have gone down a different life path. How many people who are who are key to the future of our movement and our world are we reaching right now at a younger age and putting them yep. on on this path? Um, that to me is super exciting to think what the future looks like and the contributions that are going to be made by all kinds of people who are reaching now. And so, for like, forgive the the silly example, but I feel like so I run a think tank. We change laws. We've changed dozens of laws. We're really good at it. And that's kind of my day job. And so in that day job, we're trying to persuade voters and reach adults and all this kind of stuff. But I feel like it's, it's like we're in this big orchard full of these older trees that are kind of like decaying and diseased and and knotted and everything like that. And what are all of us doing with our podcast, our think tanks, our projects, whatever? We're trying to fertilize these these adult trees back to good right. health, right? We're trying to like save these adult trees, and we should. Like that's super important. I'm not saying we shouldn't, right. but any good gardener, right, is going to focus on the seeds and the saplings, the saplings. and making right. sure that the future of the orchard is spared that same diseased fate that's requiring all this investment of fertilizer. Sure, keep doing that, but also look to the future and figure out how you can avoid that. And I feel like that's what our movement for a long time has been missing. That's what wakes me up in the morning. That what's that is what makes me super hopeful, is is the future and this opportunity we have to really try and fix the rising generation and and kind of help them learn these ideas so that they can put them into practice and defend them far better in the future than we are in the present. But because we and we need more. And this will lead to that. That's, you know, I, I say a lot, we don't have a lot of second generation libertarians. Like we have people that are like most of us who we were conservatives or progressives or not really politically involved. And then something or someone or a combination of things or people or events brought us into the liberty movement. And we're just starting to see that that second generation um, of, of libertarians. And what you're doing is actually doing both. You're creating both a first and second generation of libertarians by encouraging parents to share these ideas with their kids while also helping reinforce ideas or even introduce ideas to the parents too. So it's it's incredible what you're doing. Um, here is the uh, the next uh, question. I'm looking forward to the Tuttle Twins and the Articles of Confederation. That's that's the one I want to see. Um, <laughs> the Tuttle Twins discover the Anti-Federalists. Um, here we go. Here's the next one. From John Morris. Good evening, Matt and Spike. How are you guys doing? This is John from over at Defy the Power. Had a quick question. In our research and development area, we are working on a Waffle House caucus light up tumbler for christmas wanted to see if you guys had some ideas or your audience on different things we can add to the tumbler uh, the tumbler will be available in ohio the weekend of august 20th thanks i think that's great it's does he mean like led light up tumbler mm. how do you wash it? yeah you by hand um <laughs> clearly <laughs> You know, yeah. like the others that you don't put in the dishwasher. Um, I put mine in the dishwasher. I'm sorry, I put mine in the dishwasher. They've been working. They've been fine. Yeah, but I, I would uh, not put an LED one in the dishwasher. So I don't. I I don't know. Um, like, I wish I had grabbed those Waffle House tumblers from literally right there. Um, if if you want to off. stay true to brand, you need the logo. You, you need, need the logo, probably. A donkey on there because that's the second inside joke with the group and if you want to stick and... true to the logo only like one third of the lights should work wow <gasps> yes make it led where only like 
Yeah, like like somewhere around half the, of the lights work. That's like wonderful. the W's out, so it says awful house. Awful how? Wow, that's it. That's right. our my only contribution is turn it into an NFT. <laughs> yes, make sure this this actual physical item is also not fun. Make it okay. It can't be machine washed or funged. Just put that on there. So it can't be funged. Can't be machine can't be washed. Hand funging right. only. Um, all right, here's the next one from Kenneth Evil. Hey guys, this is Ken. Hope you're doing well. I had a question I asked on the Muddy Waters Facebook group earlier, and Matt already responded to it, but I wanted to ask it here. What's your guys' opinion on mandatory vaccination from employers? My wife was sent a notice this morning from her employer, Tyson Foods, saying that she's got to get the vaccine if she wants to keep her job. I don't really care about the politics behind the vaccine, but we don't want to get it because we want to start a family soon, and uh, we don't want to risk infertility or birth defects. We're both in our early 20s and in good health. And the vaccine doesn't prevent transmission. So to us, this should be a personal choice. I'm conflicted because I don't want to get the government to come in for the rescue. But I believe her employer is too large and government subsidized to have any meaningful impact through the market. We just bought a house, so we're not in a position for her to quit right now or to pursue a lawsuit. Uh, She is looking for me to find a solution for but I'm not really sure what to do besides lie about it, about her getting it. And I feel like I'm submitting to him if I. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. Because I mean, you know, I I was actually asked about this at the the event I did last weekend during the the walk and and uh, ruck march that we did to for concerned veterans of America, and and someone asked me about this uh, for a uh, for a, a major for Walmart, um, and it was the same thing. You know, I have a, a really good. This wasn't like a Walmart associate. This was someone making six figures in a in a you know a managerial position uh, in in Walmart corporate. And, um, and they said, you know, there, there's going to be a, a um, there's going to be a exact same thing. There's going to be a, a vaccination mandate and it is not, um, optional. Um, and, and what do I do? And in that case, um, they're actually working and I'm not sure how this doesn't, uh, uh, violate some kind of privacy laws. They're actually working directly with their healthcare providers to make sure they don't fake it. Um, and with their insurance company, which is provided by the company, um, and I said, listen, you know, I'm, I've been retired for four years. It's easy for me to say, you should fight it. You should go take them to court and whatever. But you know, you, you know, you know, better than, than us, what you can afford to do financially. Um, it's a tough one, man. And, and I, 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 I never, I never recommend breaking the law publicly, um, because that's illegal and, uh, I don't do illegal things publicly. And so, well, let me rephrase that. I don't do many illegal things publicly. I was going to say, I think you do. Yeah, I actually do a lot of illegal things publicly, but you know, this is one of those things I don't because it's it's encouraging fraud. Um, I will say this: I will say that uh, there are those who have made the decision for it themselves, certainly with no coercion by me or even suggestion by me. Uh, that you know, if there is a way to fake it, that they they try to fake it. Um, again, not something I'd recommend. Not even sure if it's possible honestly. And I'm seriously not recommending that. I'm saying that that's, that's what some people choose to do. And some people say, you know what, I'll do the vaccine um, because I, I don't know how else to fight it. This is the crappy thing about it. In, in a policy standpoint, again, this is, you know, this is not just like some mom and pop shop telling their employees this. This is a company that also gets heavy subsidization and tax breaks and, and, and eminent domain protections and all, all of this stuff. Um, 
and you know they just so happen to be deciding like all the other major corporations in this country that also get similar benefits and protections from government to all mandate this all at the same time it is what you know this isn't just a private action so right and well i would never tell anybody to falsify it because that is fraud um if you go to kenneth's question i may have uploaded a high quality PDF of both sides of a vaccine card and said, do not print this on four by three paper with 110 pound stock um, because that would be fraud and you don't want to commit illegal. fraud, but it's that it's, it's there if you want to see what it looks like. Um, but if you, if you decide that that is a route that you want to go, you should do it before they start making you get the vaccine from their doctors. All right. Um, so here is a three-part question. I'm just going to re- play them all so, uh, in a row. Well, go ahead. I was gonna, I was going to say we we had Connor for an hour, and I know. <laughs> now we're on now we're on two. Um, okay, so, so I, want, yeah, I wanted fun. to give him the option if he wanted yeah. to hang out for the rest of these questions before we just kept going. You, I, I do got to go in just a minute, so we can do a quick wrap up here. Okay, we'll, okay. Do, well, this will be the last one, and then you can leave before we get weird with the ASMR thing. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Right. To, to preserve your, your, your status as a you know, children's book author. <laughs> um, so here we go. We'll, we'll play all these from the Cajun Libertarian. So, since I have the platform, I would love to speak about an exceptional human being. That person being me. And I'm totally kidding. Uh, Tom for 52.com. He's running for the 52nd district of New York State. That's T O M F O R 52.com. That's Tom for 52.com. T O M F O R 52.com. He runs better than all the Cut that short because kids, they're completely quiet now, as you can totally hear. Yes, let's learn about animals. One of those what animals is being this? Tom for 52.com. T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. Sure. Yeah. That's Why about did we the sound do this first in the show? After he we gave him our animals. Friday night slot. And we are, of course, definitely not talking about Thomas Daniel Queter. Tom for 52.com. T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. Definitely not talking about him right now. Yes, Exactly. Dot, we, yep, nope, not doing that. Is he in the forest? Like, what? what? Yes, I think. I, so yes. glad that I can make this last message kid free. Yeah, send him to the gulag. Exactly. Send him to the Thank gulag. You, <laughs> so is Tom for Why is this kid talking about a gulag? What? Because it's Cajun's, it's Cajun's son. And yes, it's Cajun's son. Yeah. Yeah. Who are we talking about, Isaiah? Did you say muddied water? It's a muddy water. Yeah. Can you say Tom? Say Tom. For 52? 52.com. Dot com. On Muddy Waters Media. Muddy Water Media. Good job, buddy. Thank you. Muddy Water. What, right to the gulag. So thank you for that. Good child labor. Um, yeah, child, yeah, no, child labor. <laughs> Child labor. I now support child labor laws after listening to that. So, Connor, before we let you go, uh, thank you uh, again for coming on. 
you know, give your final pitch. Tell us how people can stay in touch. Tell us what's, you know, how, what, tell us. What, you've been talking for two hours, so there's probably not much left to say, but tell us how people can keep in touch with you in the tele- well, here, tele- Here's what we'll do. We will reward the listeners who stuck with us this long. If you use the coupon MUD, M-U-D-D, at TuttleTwins.com, you're going to get 40% off the kids' books. Oh. You're going to get oh. free activity workbooks. Um, and uh, a screaming deal on all for the, the kids set of books. That's what it applies to. So right on teletrends.com, you can see what the, the bundle looks like. There's an offer there that you can get, but when you go to the cart, make sure to add the coupon MUDD. That'll upgrade uh, your discount uh, and reward you for listening to, to the show this long. Guys, nice. uh, thank you. It's, it's thank we, you. we've... Like I, I say, I feel this urgency. We're trying to get the word out as much as we can. We hope this cartoon we're going to launch here soon is really going to accelerate this. You can find Tuttle Twins on all the social media platforms. Um, and uh, we've got some spicy memes, especially on Instagram. We're having a lot of fun trying to spread the word. So follow us, buy the books, check out what we're doing. We're trying to save the country one family at a time. Uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it. So thanks for sharing your platform so we can reach even more people. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for coming on. You are a friend of the show. Next time, we won't keep you for seven hours. But thank you (laughs) again. Next time, Uh, we'll do the ASMR Tuttle Twins. It'll be fun. Yes, ASMR Tuttle Twins. Yes. (laughs) Have a good night, man. Thank you. All right. right. Appreciate you you coming on. Thank you so much. Yep. Oh, man. That was a great guest. I'm super. There we go. There it is. There it is. Yeah. No, that was great. Um, That was fun. He's probably the smartest person we've ever had on the show. He's he's up there, and yet he's still. You say he's smart, and yet he agreed to be on the show for two hours. So that's there's something. To say about that. <laughs> well, he agreed to be um, on the show for an hour. Well, that that's true. He you know he did a he did a great job. So uh, we uh, so we have speaking of infrastructure, uh, we had uh, a bunch of Tuttle Twins books are infrastructure. Tuttle um, Twins books are infrastructure, but sadly they infrastructure. were not included in the one point two trillion dollar bill that was just passed, Matt. Yep. Well, not passed. Um, yeah, it's going to be passed. Well, it's I mean, going to be passed. Yeah, it's going to be right. And, and spike, spike, no, Nostradamus. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so Nostradamus. That is like the most <laughs> lazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was just Jew in it somewhere in the word in the name. It was not yeah. even like I I had to do it that on the fly. And I was having trouble remembering Nostradamus. Kosher Damus would have been way better. That would have been a lot better. You're or right. I was gonna say Jumis. uh I was gonna I was trying to put Spike at the beginning of it, but I couldn't think of how his name started and no. so I had to say yeah. anyway. Wow. The we must monster be the second out. We must be coming into the third hour. Third hour. Uh, the monster twenty-seven hundred page bill tallies up over one point two trillion, with only with only the minuscule amount of five hundred and fifty billion in new spending. Only five hundred and fifty billion, in new um, and not as much money uh, in raise, and not as much in raising money to pay for that spending. It's like debt spending, yeah. Right. So one of the ways that they're planning on getting the money, and we're going to have to just rip this Band-Aid off immediately. Like normally we would save this for the end, but we're just going to yeah. 
yank this one right on off um is they're going to tax crypto Now, as they say in one of the pages buried somewhere toward the back, any person who for consideration is responsible for regularly providing any service, effectuating transfers of digital assets on behalf of another person will have to report each transaction to the federal government on an information return. Yep. And this would take effect on January 1st, 2023. Uh, so these newly defined brokers would be required to comply with IRS reporting requirements for brokers, including filing tem, uh, form 1099s with the IRS. Yeah. And that Which means, also means that they will go in. No, you can go ahead. No. Well, it means, as you said, they're going to have to collect user data and, and including their names and addresses. It also means that they are now going to start being regulated as brokers, uh, which completely destroys a lot of the crypto market where people are just uh, creating coin. You're, you're now going to have to go through the the federal regulatory system to be able to have coins. This is the beginning of, of regulating and uh, and taxing crypto, which in one way means the mainstreaming of crypto, but it also means, you know, it's it's now going to be an act of civil disobedience for some of these cryptocurrencies, which are uh, uh, encrypted and which do not require any of this to operate. It, it just for those things to exist are going to be acts of civil disobedience. Right. Um, this. Yeah, you covered that. Yeah. Um... yeah. <laughs> Software developers, uh, crypto right. startups, all, all of those people are going to be considered brokers now, which means they're going to be regulated, which means that now you can't just make a new token. You're going to have to go through the federal government to do it. Right. Um, the I just found out that Sarah's youngest son likes pineapple on pizza and somewhere Dan Berman is beaming. So is Jack Lloyd and yes. so many other people are not. Um the mandate to collect names, addresses, and transactions of customers means almost every company, even tangentially tangentially related to cryptocurrency, may suddenly be forced to surveil their users, which means yep. the entire basis of crypto will be gone. It's not very crypto anymore. Uh, it, it, and, and this can potentially implicate miners because they confirm and verify blockchain transactions which means that they are, if you if you look at this definition, any person who for consideration is responsible for regularly providing any service, effectuating transfers of digital assets on behalf of another person, there's, especially knowing how government operates, there's no way that they aren't going to end up finding a way to, to tax miners. Um, and, and, and when I'm saying miners, That's I mean crypto, ERS. crypto miners. Yeah, ERS. E ERS. Mine, the people who mine crypto. Yeah. Right. Now, um, cryptocurrency exchanges could see uh, $250 penalties per customer whom they don't accurately furnish with an information return or for whom they didn't accurately furnish a return to the IRS, uh, even with uh, steeper fees if any mistakes was judged to be intentional. Now, Which, the, the interesting the interesting thing about this is you know, I'm sure a lot of people are already saying, well, that just means a lot of these people are going to go to other countries. So there's something called FATCA. 
which basically says that pretty much every country on earth or most countries on earth comply with if you want if your country and your banks and your system want to be able to cooperate with the US monetary system which you kind of have to um you have to report to the IRS anything that would affect a US person which means a United States citizen a United States resident a uh, yep. United States uh, business-based business, uh, anyone doing business in the United States. So basically, the IRS gets the entire world's financial information. So you can't really get away from this aspect of it. Now, what's going to happen is this is just going to grow the crypto black market, which means that uh, coins like Monero and other coins that are, you know, uh, ones that haven't even been created yet that are completely uh, encrypted and illegal, the market for them is going to go through the roof. Yes. Uh, other ways I plan on paying for this bullshit of a bill um, yep. is redirecting $250 billion in COVID relief funds, including $50 billion intended for federal unemployment relief that was eschewed by some Republican governors. That means that if you live in a state like Florida where the governor said, we don't want the money. No, put it back toward you know the debt. They're still going to spend it. Um, yeah. Recouping... And Interesting thought on this. Uh, we said this was going to happen. We said we there's said no way they're going to spend this relief funds. It's money that's already sitting there as a slush fund for whatever they're going to throw at us next. And I remember people in the comments going, no, they're definitely going to find a way to spend it. They can't. If it doesn't qualify for relief, it's going to be sitting there and then they'll make a bill saying exactly this. And we already saw Joe Biden used a bunch of a couple hundred billion from one of the relief funds to go into policing for anti-terrorism efforts because that's important right now. Anyway, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Uh, another way is they're going to be recouping 50 billion in fraudulent unemployment benefits paid out during the pandemic, which means that anybody out there who they said, oh, you made money during this pandemic that you yeah. didn't report, you now need to pay us back for all the money that you got. Yeah, which is why is in an earlier bill, they were looking to tax and get the records of people's PayPal's and Venmo's. Yep. Yep. And, and keep in mind, it's not going to raise 50 billion dollars. They always pad this stuff with, well, we're going to fight waste, fraud and abuse. And that's going to reduce. the. It never happens. They they do go after individuals and ruin their lives. But for the most part, waste, fraud and abuse never adds up to what they say it does, because the first of all, the cost of doing the investigation and the prosecution and the seizure of the pro, of the of the funds that's not factored into the cost. So it never happens. Uh, they're also saying they're going to save $50 billion by delaying a Medicare rebate rule passed under former President Donald Trump. That ought to make all the Medicare uh, patients happy. Right. Um, now, I find it funny that you say that they always pad the numbers and how they're going to raise money. But they never pad the numbers on how much they're going to spend. Because oh. they always miss that one by a Oh, that one always match. misses the mark, yeah. And speaking of that, let's talk about broadband. Yes. Because they are planning on spending $65 billion on broadband across the nation. Now, uh, Otherwise known I'm, as subsidizing some of the biggest and most profitable corporations in this country. Right. Now, we're going to take a look at another broadband company. Um you're going to be in Kentucky this weekend, so this is perfect. Yes. Perfect. Uh, Kentucky Wired 
was a plan to ensure high-speed internet to all people in, oddly enough, Kentucky, uh, including schools, businesses, and residents. It was proposed in 2015 and was supposed to roll out in 2016 with a budget of $350 million. The still incomplete project, it's 2021, 2015 proposed. The still incomplete project cost the taxpayers at least $1.5 billion, or roughly four and a quarter times higher, uh, thanks to cost overruns, big consultant fees, and flawed bidding processes that rewarded political connections uh, instead of prioritizing expertise, uh, which you would hear about people saying here. Yes. It's so this is why I numbered what he just said. If you I'm just going to read that statement. And this is basically a microcosm of all government spending. It doesn't even matter Mm -hmm. what it is. The still incomplete project cost taxpayers roughly four and a half times four and a half times more and is, again, still incomplete. So it's going to be even more than that when it's over. Thanks to cost overruns big consultant fees, and a flawed bidding process that rewarded political connections instead of prioritizing expertise, a problem that the opponents of this had warned about from the beginning. That is the entire story of all government spending. It always costs more than they said it would, take longer than they said it would, sometimes exponentially more than they said it would, both in time and in cost due to cost overruns, meaning it cost more than we said it would because we were lying. Big consultant fees. In other words, they hire a bunch of consultants because they don't have any idea what the hell they're doing. So they hire outside people who charge them a fortune that for whatever reason they didn't factor in. And a flawed bidding process. Flawed. In other words, intended bidding process where they reward all their cronies with contracts that they don't deserve as evidenced by the fact that they're spending way more than they were supposed to. And as always, there were opponents of the spending that said this is exactly what's going to happen. Every single time, this is what they do. And every single time they go, no, that's not going to happen this time because we're going to fight waste, fraud, and abuse. And so if the federal if the federal government is as cost effective as um kentucky in this venture the price tag before finishing the project will be 276 billion 250 million of the 66 billion they're proposing yeah and, and still will not be complete yeah and we'll it won't be yeah it won't be done won't be done. And we'll drive up the cost because eventually they're going to try to recoup those costs from the people that are benefiting from it, who the, if they themselves had simply paid for it, they would have you know spent far less money than that because it's their bottom line. And they'll pay a portion of it back because they're certainly not going to pay the whole thing because they didn't ask for it. They'll pay a portion of it back and you'll pay for that. You'll pay for the debt spending with interest over 40 years from when they spent it. And because that's how long treasury bills take to mature. And then also, in addition to that, you'll be paying for the fees that'll be added for the infrastructural broadband payback. Yep. Now, because everything is infrastructure. Yes. Um, its wide ranging provisions include $343 billion for improvements on highways, bridges, and related projects. So that'll be uh, 40- $42 trillion. Yeah, 
$48.4 billion to make drinking water and water infrastructure safer. So that'll be $250 billion. $7.5 billion to help construct electric vehicle charging stations, which is a lot less than Biden wanted. He wanted so much in order to put electric vehicle charging stations across the Midwest, where the percentage of owners of electric vehicles is insanely low. This is based on the thought flop. By the way, that'll end up being $30 billion and still not complete. But the right. this is based on the flawed theory that the reason people don't buy something is because the provision of the, the ancillary services needed to maintain it aren't available yet. That is the literal opposite. The reason that those ancillary services are not widely available yet is because people don't want it yet. As the number of electric cars on the market continues to just go up as a, as a, a, a matter of the fact that over time they're becoming more efficient and better and, 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 and you know, cheaper. Uh, they will eventually become cheaper as it becomes, as the economy of scale grows, as the new, the better, newer batteries, like solid state batteries and things like that start to come to market. Electric cars are the future for, for, for everyday passenger travel on the ground. Electric vehicles are going to be the future. And as that happens, the electrical charging stations will also be added. And also, the electrical grid providers will be able to incrementally make the changes right. needed to feed that. When the government steps in and goes, no, we're going to just add all this crap now, what ends up happening is a bunch of those things are going to end up lying fallow and unused. And there will also be, because of the the drain on the system of having all these additional stations there won't be time for the um the uh, energy grid providers to catch up so if there is this sudden surge of people buying cars because i'm sure they're going to try to feed that with tax breaks and subsidies for that as well it's actually going to break the grid because they can't keep up with it this is what central planning does instead of using price signals to determine where resources should go it uses political considerations which is the absolute worst way to decide where money should go and with the broadband, this is going to be the same thing. Oh my God, I'm blank. We're in hour three. I'm blanking on this word. Uh, the broadband and the electric charging uh, stations that they're going to be putting are going to be useless by the time they finally get all of these things in because the technology will have changed so much. There's that. And then as they're well. going to yes. say, "Yep, right. We're going to end up. We're going to end up having it where they're like, oh, well, we need so much more money in order to upgrade what we just yeah. did to mm -hmm. so it meets today's standards." Yep. Um, 350 million over five years for reducing vehicle collisions with wildlife. 350 million over five years for reducing vehicle collisions with wildlife. And the bill would provide grants for wildlife crossing structures because the deer and the foxes know that they need to take the walking bridge. Uh, because they can read signs that say Animal Crossing Bridge here uh, so you don't get hit by cars. $350 million over five years for reducing for, vehicle collisions for, with what? Not with bridges, but with wildlife crossing state structures. With wildlife wow. crossing structures. Not for the people to go over. But for the animals to animals go over. for the because they're going to know to go over the bridge oh. as opposed to the spot that they can just walk immediately across on because animals know oh that they're supposed. Wait, no, hang on. 
350 million over five years to save animals from getting hit by cars with bridges. For the animals. For the animals, not for the people, not for the cars, for for the animals. Because animals are great about crossing the road, as evidenced by the fact that they constantly walk into the road. So I was just on vacation. Although Although I will say, I've watched raccoons, which are, but raccoons are super smart. I've watched raccoons just sit there and wait for the cars and then walk across. But again, those are raccoons. Those and they live and these are like suburban and urban raccoons. These aren't like wild animals, like out in the wild raccoons. These are like raccoons that are adjusted to us. Deer aren't that smart. I was going to say, I just got back from a vacation where we went through Georgia and Tennessee, and yeah. uh, there were a lot of dead deer. Yeah, they and don't. Other smaller animals. Wildlife. I'm sure in their last yeah. dying breath was, if only they had prioritized our safety and the Department of Transportation with a crossing structure. I wouldn't have walked this... out into interstate traffic and then stood there frozen as the car hits me. This reminds me, there was, it was either a podcast or a radio show that went viral and some woman was talking on it and uh, she was like, why? Because she hit a deer and she goes, it, but it wasn't at the sign. So how was I supposed to know that a deer would be there? There wasn't a sign. And she wanted more money for uh, she wanted more money for um, more signs. So the deer would know where to cross. And I think that they listened to that and they said, this makes sense. This makes sense. We should build These animals walking, the crossing animals. structures. Yeah. Wow. Kenneth says that was a gag video and I, I'm going to choose to believe him because that was, okay, really that was dumb. a gag video, but this isn't, but this, this is they real. Must have thought it was real too. So uh, Elizabeth Kokiard says, I've seen a study done that these animal crossing bridges actually do prevent some animal car. Coll- I'm sure they do by virtue of the fact that, yeah, some will cross along there, but there certainly would be more by having the cars go over. I... And and Adam says, why are they doing broadband when the whole world's moving to fiber optic? Right. I, and the, here's the other aspect of this. In 10, 15 years, when they finally finish this project at the cost of billions more, hundreds of billions more than they said, we're going to be in wireless we're already in why we're already at 5g we are so going to be so close i don't think people realize the market that there is for all internet and even low level power to become completely wireless right like i don't think people understand that in like another let's say 10 years so many things you'll never have to actually plug in we already have the technology where you can put it on the plates with the nfc technology or whatever it's called it's going to be where it's just near a zone and it charges or if it's in your house it charges like right the 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 stuff they're making is they're making stuff for (coughs) they're making stuff for like last year thank you they're making stuff for like last year or (coughs) excuse me this year uh, this is, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to be so far. It was like you were saying with the charging stations, all this stuff. Yeah, Starlink, Craig, this is all going to be obsolete so soon. Yes. Man. 
So the bill's also going to be vaping. I'll be right back. You, I can hear okay. you, but I'm going to just keep sneezing. Yeah, yeah, do your thing. Uh, the bill would also ban vaping on Amtrak. And while this is sort of a minor thing because I don't ride Amtrak, um, but if I ever do, I guarantee you I will be vaping on that train um, because I still do that. I do it on planes. I do it in government oh, buildings. I do it anywhere that I want to um, because stop me, really. Uh, you know, Come I don't do it obnoxiously. Oh, um, I don't it's, do it. It's not really a vape pen. It's not really a vape pen. It's just my thing. But it's it can be taken. Yeah, come. Yeah, Molon vape. Um, vape. But yeah, anywhere they tell me not to, I pretty much I already do. Uh, so if I'm ever on an Amtrak, you're goddamn right. I'm gonna vape there. Um, the and prior to the pandemic. Things. Uh, Congress authorized about $1.7 billion each year in federal subsidies for Amtrak. But since Joe Biden loves Amtrak so much because I used to ride Amtrak on my way into D.C. when I was, you know, a young senator from Delaware, uh, the bipartisan infrastructure bill will give the service close to $4 billion each year. And I don't know how many people... Um, ride Amtrak anymore, but I don't feel as though it's $4 billion worth. And if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode where we talked about part of the thing that was being talked about. I don't know if it made it to the final bill uh, because I haven't read all 2,700 pages, but uh, they talked about who's voting on it. Fair. Um, They talked about taking uh, private railroads and giving preferential treatment to Amtrak so they could use that, which will slow down shipping, which is going to make everything for you cost more. And uh, Billy Pierce had a really good point a second ago, and he said all this government spending on steel, copper, et cetera, is going to inflate the cost of those commodities in the private market so that equipment and services are going to cost more. So everything that they are doing in this bill is going to end up costing you as a taxpayer, as a citizen, as a consumer, consumer. and as a crypto holder, more money. Yep. Yeah. But thankfully, the deer, Matt, a certain percentage of the deer who happen to walk across the crossing path will not die until they're shot by a hunter. Or eaten by another animal. Or eaten by one of the animals in the crossing path. First of all, the smart predators are just going to be like, yeah, no, why don't you cross the path? No, we're good. No, you, come you, on over. You're safe. Come on over. Yeah, come come, be safe in the crossing path with me. It's, this is, it's the toad and the scorpion. It is. No, come on, o- it's, come it's, on over. This is how you go, go now. Yeah, no, this is, this is where you go. This is safe. Because keep in mind, predators tend to be much smarter than prey. Right. Like in general, it's it's a it's a numbers game. You know, the, the, the prey survive by just having a bunch more than the predator, uh, much more offspring than the predators have. But predators tend to be way smarter than the prey. Not always, but typically speaking. Right. And so now you've got this gamed system of crossing paths and it's going to be the predators who figure it out first. People, they're going to be the first ones that are like. Oh, and then they're just gonna sit there in the trees, you bunch of morons. So anyway, uh, now the good news here is that uh, the bill also reclassifies gender identity as a protected class, which okay, fine, but it's because that's also infrastructure that's necessary. That's right. The, like the, I'm like okay, that's 
I don't care. But why right, is that whatever, in this yeah. bill? Did I skip over that part? I did. Yeah. Um, it's a, no, that's yeah. fine. It's like, what, what does that have to do with infrastructure? It's right. It's, it's absolutely this nothing. Is, this is, uh, you know, we support the, you know, one thing at a time legislation that you, you can't keep doing these omnibus bills. You know, if you want to have broadband, then you have to introduce that as its own thing and let everyone have, you also couple that with uh, legislation that requires there to be enough time for everyone to read it so they can actually break it down and talk about it and debate it. If you did those two things, so much legislation would never happen because first of all, they wouldn't have the time to introduce all this nonsense. And, and, and I'm not even talking about specifically the, the gender thing, but you know, this mm. whole bill, n nothing, there wouldn't be enough time to give everyone time to read all this stuff, which is good. That would, that would slow things down. But then also, you know, if there's a need to reclassify gender identity as a protected class, then introduce that by itself and let everyone have time to read it and then let everyone have time to, to debate it and decide if it's needed or not. And if it is, great. If it's not, great. But, you know, they keep adding this hobby horse stuff to every single thing. Um, like, for example, Animal Crossing. I don't know why that bothers me so much, but it's just like... But yeah, the Amtrak thing, also, also something to keep in mind. The uh, when we're talking about like steel and stuff, when they come up with this pricing, I guarantee you they're not using today's pricing for steel and wood and everything else when they're estimating the. No, cost, they're using why last year's or the year before. They're using their core stuff, their 20, core price. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. twenty eighteen and whatever the last available you know standard for pricing is, which is way lower than now. If you've been outside and gone anywhere, bought anything, and now imagine what it's going to be five years from now, ten years from now. They never factor that in. And uh, even still, it's going to, I mean, it's just going to be ridiculous overrun. Like there's never been any of these things that don't end up having ridiculous overruns. But anyway, so we're now, because we're in two and a half hours into this, and because apparently my, I just want to keep sneezing. I'll be right back. I don't know what, I, I must have, uh, this is what happened. It's, you know, two and a half hours in my, my, my body said, nope, we're sneezing now. So you, you, you say so, things now. Hey, you know what? Don't worry. I've got this. So tomorrow on a brand new episode. And it's good to be back. We needed the week off. It's good to be back. Um, thank you all for tuning in. It was great having Connor on. Uh, I've wanted him on the show for a long time, and he finally reached out and said he wanted to be on. Um, so on Wednesday, tomorrow, on My Fellow Americans, Spike has Lou... Sanderfine. Lou Sanderfine. Lou Sanderfine. Okay, Lou Sanderfine. Or Lou Fien, either way, Lou or Lou Sanderfine, who was my I always first called him Lou guest. Sander. What so he both was Lou Sander and Lou Sanderfine and Lou Fien, whatever you want to call him. Lou is gonna be on the show. Lou is Lou gonna be my on the show. first guest on My Fellow Americans, and he's also one of the key people responsible for making me an anarchist by constantly asking me questions that I did not have answers to and encouraging me to read books that made me very uncomfortable when I read them. And so uh, we're actually going to talk about uh, the Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest, which is a festival he does every year uh, about that. And we're going to talk about, um, you know, we, I've been talking a lot about homelessness and the solutions to homelessness, and he has a lot of thoughts on that. So we're going to be talking about that. And he's going to, I'm sure he's going to be giving me a hard time about being involved in the LP because he's a non-voting yeah, anarchist. I he's, guarantee you he's going to at least... He, he's what you were three years ago. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, no, he's gonna um, he's gonna say you were the promised one. You were supposed to be, and he's I, I'm we're gonna have fun with that. So he's a great friend. I cannot wait to have him on. It's gonna be a fun thing tomorrow, and then on Thursday we're doing an episode. Yeah. You're doing an episode of the Writers Block. I am with uh, Byron Cabbage, who is uh, yes. He he's in Kentucky and he's helping organize Spike's whole event this weekend. So I'm excited to talk to him. And mainly I'm just going to ask him for multiple videos of Spike throwing out the first pitch at the Florence y'all's baseball game, because I want to see that train wreck and I will make a heater down the middle. And if I was on that side, I would mute you, but (laughs) because please, um, Gonna you're gonna throw a heater. Gonna um, the world. You're gonna th- you're you're gonna throw maybe a changeup, which is gonna go wide outside. Um, Shocking the world! I am going to throw. Counts. I have been practicing just today. I've been practicing, and I have been routinely throwing at least three out of four times a ball that goes to the strike zone. How and far? I did it by measure. How far from it? Sixty uh, sixty-one feet. 60 feet, six inches, but you know, whatever. Yeah, no, that's what I did. I measured out. I even gave an extra six inches just to, you know, make sure. What, adjust for the the height? height? No, actually, the target's higher than me. The way I did it, it's a tree that's a little bit raised up from where I am. So if anything, I'm doing it at a slightly more difficult uh, uh, projection than where I would be, you know, what is it, four inches above or something. It's not a huge increase. It's like four four or five inches raised up. I think it's six and a half inches. Yeah, whatever it is. But I mean, it's not like, you know, several feet up or whatever. So if any, but it's it's higher, whereas I'm doing it where I'm slightly lower than what I'm shooting for. And I've been three out of four times, either like right around either in the strike zone or at least where like they're not having to, you know, move to, to get it. And and that's just in the first day that I've been throwing it. So I'm yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see you try this with 2000 people watching you. Yes, that's just going to make it even better. <laughs> I'm going to nail this. I'm going to nail this. I'm going to do it. I, I think I'm going to do it. I have faith in you. And then on, and then Friday, on Friday at 9.30 Eastern Freedom Time, there is a brand new episode of Cajun and Eskimo from Bayous to Igloos with Cajun and Eskimo, uh, where they will be talking about hopefully not what they talked about last week. Yeah. Cajun. Yeah, Cajun. <laughs> and right before that, it's at... Is it six thirty Eastern or six thirty Central? Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up in the calendar for, for your thing. For my my when I pitch the shutout, yeah, uh, it's right. gonna be your, at your one pitch shutout. My one pitch. Uh, that's at seven thirty yeah, yeah. Eastern. This is six thirty Eastern. Oh, six thirty Eastern. Sorry. I'd... Yeah. So at six thirty Eastern at five thirty uh, Central. Wait, is are we in? Hold on. We're in. Uh, this is. Months. I think this is Eastern because we're in Eastern. Okay, Florence, Kentucky is in Eastern. I know there are parts of Kentucky that are Central. Okay, so it's it's 6.30 local time, which is 6.30 Eastern. I will be throwing out the opening pitch of the Florence Y'all's baseball game. And if you want to, I'm going to drop a, a link in the comments if you guys want to be a part of this. Uh, you can watch it on Vimeo. Yeah, but if you want to actually be there, um, then... Uh, if you can't be there, find them on Vimeo because that's what I'm going to do. And I'm screen Vimeo. recording. I'm screen recording this train wreck. Here is here is where you do. Here's where you get the. Yeah, I want to go to it. 
here's where you go and use the link Liberty. Use the, the um, hold on, use code Liberty. I'm going to put in there. Um, it, KDK over on YouTube just said, ex well, not just a few minutes ago, said exactly what I was thinking when you were describing your pitching practice. Spike over here training himself to throw high. Yep, you may just go right over that catcher with the way you're training. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So if you're going to be in the Florence, Kentucky area, get tickets to this thing and watch it. And then tune in for Cajun and Eskimo uh, from Bayou's to Igloos uh, at 9.30 Freedom Time on Friday. And then next Monday at 8 o'clock, Eastern. Mr. Murica, the bearded truth, I believe will be returning. Sorry he couldn't be on last night. He had some issues come up and uh, that's on him if he wants to tell people. But I hope that he is back on Monday because his, did you hear his last one on the constitution? I, I did not. And I hate that I missed it, but unfortunately it no, is I didn't so it. good. It is up on anchor at anchor.fm slash muddied waters. Uh, and you can listen to that there. And you can listen to that there. No, Spike hasn't gotten the wild thing glasses yet, but he is hoping to get they're them. on their way there. Yeah, they're on Soon. their way. There's a slight chance they'll get here after the event because I they, I even paid for expedited shipping, but we'll see. It, there's but they're coming from 50, China. 50. They're coming from their, their Chinese glasses. But uh, China. China. I mean, I want to say I feel like I'd rather it go somewhat high and the guy has to reach up than for it to bounce. Right. Whatever you do, don't throw high. Well, yeah, no, you want it to go high over bouncing. Don't right. bounce it. I think yeah, that's, that's why so I'm many saying. people throw it up and over is because they're like, I don't want to bounce it. I don't want it so to bounce. So then they right. they aim higher, and so when they throw, it goes sailing way above the catcher. Oh man, I got a pair of PF flyers. If you want to come down and get those, I'm not going to mail them to you. I'm certain we have the same size foot. I thought they were going to give me cleats, but I don't know now. Got a pair of them, too. Um, <laughs> I'm going to want cleats. I want to I want to do the whole thing. I want to I want to look down and get the call and, you know, like I want to, you know, pick my pitch and well, check right. first base, make sure that they don't try to steal second. Like, I'm, you know, you know, I mean, there's no one on the field yet of course, of course yeah but you still have to do it still have to do it you're not going to get a chance to do it ever again i'm not exactly when is the next time i need to i, I can check to make sure that you know nobody's trying to steal go. no one's trying to steal second and then join us on tuesday at, at 8 eastern uh next tuesday for another amazing episode of the muddy waters of freedom where matt Wright and i parse through the week's events like the Baseball champions that I am. Matt, if someone were to try to find Muddy Waters Media on the internet, is that even possible? And if so, how? It is possible. All one would have to do is head on over to anchor.fm slash muddied waters. Hey. Anchor, this is the sound of a Tuttle Twins book against the microphone. This is the Tuttle And then they found out about Let's read a moment. Let's read a passage. 
Do you know how you'll find it? To make a you'll find it. <laughs> you'll find out soon enough. Power. It, it takes great stuff. Takes great so stuff, Connor. To make a pencil. Great stuff. You're gonna hear some barking and loud noises in a second. But if you go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters, you can leave us messages that we will play live on the air. I can't wait. I can't wait either. And you can also donate. You can donate money so we can soundproof this room so you wouldn't hear barking right now. Can we soundproof the room? You you wouldn't hear barking if you donated more money. Give us money. Give us money. No. Give money. us money. More money, no barky. <laughs> or you can find this in every other episode at muddiedwatersmedia.com. Well, that sounds fantastic. Uh, it sounds so fantastic that you should all go over to Tom from 52.com. Oh, also Jonathan Reels. Gosh, I forgot about it. Jonathan Reels uh, is not a real candidate. Uh, the Federal Election Commission states that an individual running for a state in the U.S. House of Reps becomes a candidate when he or she raises or spends more than $5,000 in contributions or expenditures. So if you go to Jonathan.cash, you can help him in this campaign. And I will be there on the 24th for the outreach uh, event with uh, Vermin Supreme and, uh, and Portia Shepard and Jonathan Reels, the Rally for Justice in, uh, in there in beautiful Alabama. Uh, more information on that soon. Folks, thanks again for tuning in for this episode of my, of gosh, the Muddy Waters of Freedom. <laughs> we love you. I love you and Matt loves you. And where we're going, we don't need robes. <laughs>